Hey, this is Sam for Dobbs. If you need tires, hop on our website, go to Dobbs.com. We'll save you time searching brands, sizes, and prices, and save you money because we sell tires at the lowest price in town, guaranteed. For deals you can use, click on go to Dobbs.com now. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the Character and Smallman Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. And welcome to Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carriker, with you on a morning in which, hey, we won. We won. The Cardinals won, and we're very happy. <laughs> One team won last night that we were hoping to win. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So, hey, we'll take it. We're, but 50%. We're, yeah. Uh, and if you had Gonzaga in the pool, bummer. But big bummer. So last night I'm tied with Brad Thompson heading into the night. We're like 66th. We aren't going to win. But he's got Baylor. I've got Gonzaga. So there's some bragging rights on the game. And finally, uh, we got to the second half. And Gonzaga cuts it down to nine. The Baylor lead to nine. And then all of a sudden it's 16 again. And I sent him the the gif of the... uh, the hands on the light switch and the lights going out. <laughs> it was terrible. Turn out the lights. It was uh, unbelievable. Gonzaga unbeaten headed into that game. And Michelle, the one thing I thought yesterday was Baylor's dominated everybody. I think Baylor can make a game of this. I never thought that they would dominate Gonzaga too. I, I didn't either. We spoke to Doug Gottlieb, Gottlieb yesterday, Randy, and he said the only thing he felt for sure is that it was going to be a really good game, a really mm-hmm. close and really competitive game. And Baylor just absolutely dominated them. Gonzaga had no shot at all. It was crazy. And congratulations to the Baylor Bears. And by the way, when Mac Rhodes left Mizzou to become the Baylor Athletic Director, I said, man, what's he thinking? What a terrible situation that is. Well, their football program's great, and their basketball programs are both great. So congratulations to Mac Rhodes, too. Don't like him that much, but uh, he's winning. Maybe he knew what he was doing. I think he did. I think he knew better. (laughs) He knew the quality of programs better than I did. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) The Cardinals did win last night over the Marlins, the opener of a three-game series. The final score was 4-1. to Jorge Alfaro with a pass ball to score the first run of the game. And then with a couple of runners on, Yadier Molina moved further into the record books. Got to be ready to hit, especially with guys on third base. Yadi ready to hit. And a drive into center. Marte back. And it's off the wall will score and Yadier Molina will trot into second base standing up with a double and that passes Hall of Famer Johnny Bench sole possession eighth all-time among primary catchers with that double and that is number 382 Bench considered the gold standard offensively for catchers and yes Yadier has played a lot more than Bench Bench played 13 years but to pass him on the all-time doubles list for catchers 
pretty big deal. It is, and we had talked about Albert Pujols getting close to all of these records and what it would be like to celebrate him making history here in St. Louis. We've got Yadier Molina climbing through the record books right now, and it's great to watch that unfold. I still can't believe that he's playing at this level after being in the league for so long. I don't know what his regimen is. I want to follow it, but Yadier looks like he is 25 years old. It's incredible. It's amazing. And so the Cardinals have a 3 nothing lead before Yachty ever has to call a pitch for Daniel Ponce de Leon. And Ponce de Leon winds up not throwing a slider, not throwing a curveball. 93 pitches, 83 of them fastballs. The goal was to get uh, deep in the game. But, um, you know, just just a healthy dose of fastballs really. Uh, Yachty didn't call any curveballs, and I wasn't going to shake to it. So uh, here we are. Would you ever shake off Yachty? No. I wouldn't. No. No <laughs> Especially if you're someone like Pons. No way. I'm not going to do that. I could see Adam Wainwright doing it because they've been together for so long and they know one another. But in that situation, I'm looking at the person I'm throwing to, and this is the best in the game. If he mm-hmm. is going to call fastball, fastball, that's what I'm throwing. And Michelle, the way things played out for the Cardinals, I believe is their formula for 2021. Get five. And that's what Mike Schultz said after the game. He w- we're happy with five from our starters. And then an inning from Jordan Hicks, two from Gallegos, one from Reyes, bing, bang, boom, scoreless innings and a 4-1 win. It also helps when your offense jumps out to an early lead and gives you a little bit of run support. Yeah. And so the Cardinals are 2-2 on the season. They'll play the Marlins again tonight, and it'll be John Gann making his season debut. He'll be opposed by former Cardinal farmhand and former Cardinal Sandy Alcantara. Meanwhile, scary news last night from the Giants-Padres game with Fernando Tatis Jr., Swing and a miss, and Tatis hurts himself on the swing. Fernando goes down after strike three and appears to be clutching his arm. It turns out to be a sublocation, a partial dislocation of his left shoulder. He swings so hard, and he just separated the shoulder. And, Michelle, apparently he's had some problems with the shoulder in the past. Yeah, I was reading this morning that he had issues even as recently as spring training where he missed a couple games because of shoulder issues. The swing in question was just being played on our TVs in here on MLB Network, and you can see instantly the pain in his face. You know something is wrong. The way that he immediately grabs his shoulder and drops the bat, I winced watching it. And you don't want to see anyone get injured, but I feel like baseball needs to protect Fernando Tatis Jr. at all costs. He is such an exciting and electric young player. He's the burgeoning face of baseball. And if you don't want anyone to get hurt, especially this early on, it's Fernando Tatis Jr. Well, and especially because you're apparently going to lose fans. They've disenfranchised some people with their all-star game move. And you need to keep your biggest star healthy and available to the public. And apparently he won't be for the, for the time being, at least. The Blues played last night. All right, move on. Nothing to see here. Please, this Nothing to see here, please. <laughs> Nothing to see here, Michelle. Everything's Randy. good. <laughs> Is it good? I don't know. Have- I don't know. Have you, uh, I know you were on the panic bus before. Have you already started the engine and are you driving away? Yeah, you know I am. Uh, There's no reason to not be on the panic bus. Watching the blues is such an exercise in frustration, Randy, because 
the effort is there. They're putting the puck on net. The, the shots are there. If you're looking at the stats, you would not believe that the score of the game is what it is, other than the fact that they can't, they, they're getting the puck there, but they can't get it in the net, and yep. there are some defensive breakdowns that they've absolutely got to clean up. But it's frustrating because there's not one obvious easy fix. The Blues actually looked like they had momentum at the end of the first period. Tyler Bozak scores at 17:01 of the first period to make it a 2-1 lead for Vegas heading into the second. But then Alec Martinez scores at the 7:08 mark, and you think, uh-oh, and then uh-oh occurs because just a few seconds later, William Carrier, the former Blues farmhand, scores to make it 4-1 by the 9:07 mark. Jonathan Marchessault had scored, and it was 5-1, and it was turn out the lights. The party is over for the Blues. Here's Coach Craig Bruby. You've tried all kinds of lineup changes, all kinds of motivational stuff. Is this team just not responding to the coaching, or what do you see? Well, they didn't tonight. Um, I'm only going to talk about tonight. And they didn't tonight, for sure. I thought the start of the game was pretty good. You know, we had pretty good jump. They did some good stuff early. But, you know, it was a total collapse in the second period. And, Michelle, we talked in 2018, before the coaching change and right after the coaching change, about the Blues' lack of mental toughness. And that appears to be what the Blues are dealing with now. It doesn't seem like the resiliency is there like you've had in, in past clubs. Is that something you can... Well, not right now. It, it, it isn't right now. I agree. Um, you know, they're probably a pretty um, unconfident group right now when things don't go right out there. And, um, you know, you're not always going to, you know, things are going to happen. Goals are going to go in. You better be a lot mentally, mentally tougher than that. I'll tell you that. That's weak. It's weak-minded right now. I hope this isn't a trend that's going to last. I hope this isn't something where it's going to spiral into a coaching change. Those are just comments from a head coach that are for a team that two years ago won the Stanley Cup. And last year, when they broke, when COVID shut everything down, they had the best record in the West. It's pretty alarming. It is. But clearly, he's trying to send a message to his his club and Craig Ruby in the past, whether it was line changes or the things that he said, was always able to push the right buttons and extract the best out of his team. And if there was any negative trends that had emerged, he was able to turn it around. And so this has to be incredibly frustrating for him if he's tried every tactic he can think of and the results still aren't there. I wonder if we underestimated the emotional abilities of Petro, Steen, Bo. If those three guys and their veteran presence and their tough-mindedness is something that rubbed off on the rest of the players that isn't here anymore. That's a great question. Having And if you're the coach, having that conduit to the rest of the locker room from a leadership standpoint to reinforce the message or hold guys accountable. Sometimes when your boss is trying to tell you something, it's different than when your peers tell you. Absolutely. And obviously Ryan O'Reilly is a leader. Tarasenko wears the A. Schwartz is a guy that in that in that dressing room has been a leader. Pareko returned last night, and you would hope that has some leadership ability. But nobody with the stature of an Alexander Steen who'd been around for 13 years or whatever. Sure. 
And yesterday I said heavy is the sweater that wears mm-hmm. the sea, but it's different because Ryan O'Reilly was a leader prior. Everyone talked about what a leader Ryan O'Reilly was on this team, but they always said he led by example, that he was the first guy on the ice, last guy on. He was always in working and that the way that he went about things, the way that he prepared for games and the way that he worked rubbed off on others. It's different when you have to get outside yourself and be more vocal. And I don't and I don't know if that's foreign to him, but it's easier when you're just being you and so. you're a leader naturally that way. Having to then face the media and have all of these other responsibilities from a leadership standpoint can be taxing at times. And there's got to be a reason for his lack of productivity. And that's all we can think of. He's healthy. He's got his guys around him now. He played last night. They put together a line with Hoffman and Perron. So there's got to be something there. Meanwhile, we did mention that Colton Pareko returned. What was his thought process in coming back? Yeah, it was just obviously a feel a process. And um, just this morning, and I was kind of timing it to try to get in tonight. So I wanted to see how it felt this morning. And that's when it all, all came together. Now, the Blues don't say what the injury is. We just, we, we know that it is a back injury. In texting with somebody who's had multiple back surgeries last night, uh, it was pointed out to me that he he can't re-herniate it. He can't herniate it more. So play him, and if he if he's fine, fine. And you can, either way, he's probably going to have to, with a herniated disc, he's probably going to have to have surgery anyway at some point. So Yikes. just find out. Find out whether or not he can go right now. So it can't get any worse. That was my question, and that is apparently the case, that playing can't cause it. It's a pain tolerance issue more than anything else. Wow. So. Well, I wouldn't call him weak-minded then. No. uh, (laughs) Or or lack of toughness there if you're playing through a back injury to be there for your team who desperately needs a spark. Yeah. Yeah, the the term used was it won't. That's good. That's that's good from a scientific standpoint, from a medical standpoint. Randy, I have a proposition for you. Yes. Do we need a a Castellanos-type incident with the Blues to get them fired up? Yep, especially against Vegas. I think so, too. I don't know what that's going to be, but we need someone to make them angry. I was hoping that uh, Kyle Clifford would challenge one of their guys last night. I, I I would think it would not be, well, you want people to get fired up. Yeah, so we need if, some anger there. Okay. If, 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 no. You know what we need? We need them to say, we're sick of it. We are sick of it. Yeah. They need to take a page out of Carriker and Smallman's book and say, we are sick of it. I don't care what needs to be done. We have got to turn this ship around immediately. Here's the thing, though, Michelle. If you do it tomorrow when they play the Golden Knights again, you're going to have to, whoever it is, maybe it's Kyle Clifford, whoever that person is is going to have to deal with Ryan Reeves. Which... So maybe I what you want do, to deal with Ryan yeah, maybe what you do is you go get your pound of flesh from whomever, whether it's Martinez who scored the two last night yeah. or Petro, which probably wouldn't be a popular thing in the dressing room. I don't think it's going to be Petro. So, but you go get one of their guys, but then whoever it is is going to have to deal with Ryan Reeves. You're going to have to take one for the team, as it were. And you'll be a hero in our eyes because yeah. we we need that. Yeah, we do. The fan, The fans need that. And by the way, one other note here, Michelle, and if, if you want to hear Sam Darnold news for 80% of the time, just go to the mothership today, they, okay? They're going to have it wall to wall. Wall to wall. Sam Darnold got traded for three draft choices to Carolina from the Jets. 204 and a six.
after we had heard the rumors for months and months and months, they finally went out and did it. And I actually think this is a great move for Carolina. I agree with you. And I love Sam Darnold getting this opportunity there, too. Yep. And they have a chance to fix him by sitting Teddy Brid- sitting him behind Teddy Bridgewater if they want. And if, if Darnold is messed up, fix him until you're satisfied and then uh, let him play. And there you have it. That's the Sam Darnold coverage from Michelle and Randy on 101 ESPN today. What more do you need? <laughs> That's it. Coming up, we've got a little game of What's Better. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. What's Better is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Ask Michelle and Randy what's better, and we will tell you. 65780, that's the Air Comfort Service text line. We'd love to hear from you as we traverse our day here on Carriker and Smallman. And with your what's better questions, here's Emily. From the 636, what's better, Vili Husso or spending money for a backup goalie? I would say Vili Husso. Um, and granted, Mike Hoffman has not worked out mm-hmm. for the Blues, but by the time... The Blues, uh, see, they had major cap issues. And by the time they got to camp and they knew that they weren't going to have Steen and Tarasenko, they, well, they knew they weren't going to have Vladdy early on. But the time they, by the time they knew Alexander Steen wasn't going to be able to play anymore and they were able to sign Hoffman, all the backup goalies were off the market. Right. So I don't think that that's a fair or legitimate question. Yeah, it's it's not one that was based yeah. in a, a realistic option. Yeah, and by the way, Billy Huso's been pretty darn good yeah. for the Blues, too. I, I don't think <laughs> yeah. he's the main issue. <laughs> I, I think people might only watch, uh, they may, may have watched his first game against Colorado. They they, they watched last night, but uh, Billy Huso, for a backup goalie, has performed pretty darn well for the Blues. Maybe, Randy, a lot of the people watching Billy Huso only watched the first period. That might be, or the <laughs> they, first shot, right? Or, yeah, or the, the first few minutes of the game. Yeah. From the 314, what's better? Keeping Baruby or getting coach and team philosophy? Uh, both. Yeah, I don't really understand that one. Is he saying, he or she saying that what Baruby is preaching isn't the same thread of philosophy that's going throughout the team? I think it's what we talked about yesterday with Baruby desiring to coach a heavy team and this team not being a big heavy team like it was a couple of years ago. But the thing to do is to to have players that can play that heavier game. And the Blues, they didn't anticipate going through this season without Colton Pareko. Right. They didn't anticipate losing Barbashev for six weeks or uh, Oscar Sundquist or uh, Jaden Schwartz. They, that was not something that was on the agenda mm-hmm. for the 2021 St. Louis Blues. And I, I think... Yes, injury certainly played a part of this, but David Perron in his postgame last night was asked the question if they're not responding to coaching. He's like, come on, this has this is not about coaching. We love our coaches. We respect our coaches. I'm paraphrasing. He's mm-hmm. like, but we're th- that's not what is happening here is that we're not responding to the things that Coach Berube trying to do. From the 573, what's better? The Blues snapping their losing streak or the Cardinals winning their home opener? 
I'm going to say the Blues snapping their losing streak because if the Cardinals lose their home opener, well, of course, that would be a bummer because we're so excited to have fans back at Bush Stadium. The home opener is a holiday here in St. Louis. That's one game. That's one game, Mm -hmm. and the Cardinals have a lot of runway to win more games. The Blues are in a bad spot right now, and they need to get a victory, and they need to turn this thing around because there's a playoff spot on the line. The Cardinals have actually lost their home opener and then won the World Series on multiple occasions. <laughs> okay, there you go. That's the only stat we need. And the, yeah, the, as you mentioned, that Blues runway, it's running out. From the 573, what's better? Oh, I'm sorry, I just read that one. From the 314, what's better? A hot blanket out of the dryer in the winter or a cold washcloth around your neck on a hot summer day? Ooh, tough one. Great, great one. Yeah. I'm going hot blanket right out of the dryer. Because it also smells great. It smells like your laundry detergent. I think I'm going to go with the uh, the cold towel around your neck. Because, man, people, if you haven't done that before, you talk about uh, the ability to stay cool. Having that cold towel around your neck keeps you cool for a while. Now, the, the only reason I paused, Michelle, is that you get out on the golf course and that cold towel doesn't really stay cold and wet very long in the heat and the humidity of St. Louis summers. But Yeah, and it's also dripping down your neck oh, no, and it's mixing great. with sweat. Yeah, it, it's Mm-mm. no Pass it, on that it, it cools one for you me. off. Give me but, a give me a mini fan, a handheld fan all day. Yeah, but you, you don't use like if you're sitting at the Muni, a handheld fan is fine. If you're playing golf, a handheld fan isn't doing you any good. Well, when you get in the cart, Randy, and oh. you, you put that pedal to oh, the metal, yeah, for, you're going to get the natural yeah, wind going for, through your hair. For cart people, <laughs> yes, for cart people, I am a cart person. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> from, yeah, come on. From the six three six, what's better, hot coffee or iced coffee? Michelle, Emily, you have to take this one. I love both. This is like asking me to choose between children, but I could drink iced coffee all year round. And I, in the summer, I don't want hot coffee. So. I think it just depends on the weather okay. for me. So hot during the winter and cold during the summer. Yeah. All right. But if you had to have one all year round, what would you pick? Because I would go iced. Iced. I'd go okay. iced. Yeah. Patrick character is a big devotee of iced coffee. Does he like a cold brew? Cold brew. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the... Dunkin' Donuts cold brew with a blueberry flavor shot. Wait, my yeah. cousin on Easter was telling me that that is her Dunkin' order. Really? A, a Dunkin' cold brew with a shot of blueberry. She says it's off the charts. Yeah, he gets it all the time. Wow. Okay, yeah. so this might be a cult thing that I didn't know about. Mm-hmm. Wow. From the 636, what's better? A first round March Madness upset or a small market MLB team making the playoffs? I'm going to say more memorable is the upset in the NCAA tournament. I mean, small market, small revenue. Last year, the Marlins made the playoffs, and it wasn't that big of a deal. What happens is is those small market teams never make it to the World Series, and nobody remembers, like the Twins. Whoever remembers the Twins making the playoffs. Right. Good call. And we'll never forget Norfolk State. No. (laughs) No. Or Northern Iowa. Right. Yeah. Or UCSB. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I'll go with the first round March Madness upset. Yeah. Who, what was uh, Florida Gulf Coast? They got George Florida Town, Gulf right? Coast. Yeah. That's a good one. Good memory. From the 573, what's better, Pepper Jack or Spicy Cheddar? I'm going Spicy Cheddar here. Really? I like them both. I was leaning Pepper Jack. Yeah. I think it's really good on, on a hot what? sandwich, Pepper Jack yeah. cheese. Pepper Jack, on a, that's exactly what I was thinking. But if you get some shredded spicy cheddar for nachos, it's pretty good. I don't know if I've ever had spicy cheddar. 
normally for nachos, I just go with a Mexican blend. Oh, yeah. Classic. I think that's the play. Classic Mexican blend. Yeah. I think it depends on the mood. Pepper Jack is a little bit milder. You know what just popped in my head, Randy? We, we at some point in the near future are going to be having nachos at Bush Stadium. This is true. Life is good. We're, yeah. Think about that. We went a whole, we love nachos from Bush Stadium. Mm-hmm. We went a whole year without having, I have not had the pulled pork nachos from Bush Stadium in a minute. I'm going to savor those. There might be some uh, Instagram content. Because <laughs> you like the tater tot nachos, Yeah, right? they're awesome. Section 135. I wonder how they're going to do that, though, because the pulled pork nacho stand that I like has the big tub of sour cream that you get a little community dollop out of. Oh, yeah. How do you do that? How do do we do that? Non-contact. That's a great question. Maybe they'll have individual sour creams or banana peppers or black olives, whatever you prefer, and you can just request them when you order your nachos. We'll have to launch an investigation. We'll get somebody on tomorrow <laughs> okay. from the Cardinals concession setup, and we'll, we'll find out. We need This is important stuff we need to know. Yeah. But people are going back to the ballpark. They're going to want their nachos. And still tickets available for opening weekend, too. Surprising. Okay, this one might be like choosing between your children, so I apologize. That's yeah, easy. <laughs> from the 314, <laughs> what's better? Bobby Plager or Bob Gibson? Oh, yeah. That's a push. Both um, outstanding. Yeah, I, I I would say that that Both is. Both iconic good. in their own ways. Yeah, that's absolutely a push. Yeah. <laughs> is that one more difficult than choosing between your children? It is. <laughs> I'm just joking. No. It's, They're both I, extraordinarily difficult. Impossible, as a matter of fact. Yeah, I'm an only child, so I just that's know. It's not hard for your parents. By default, I'm the favorite. <laughs> Thanks, Emily. Thank you. And thank you very much for your texts to the Air Comfort Service text line of 65780. And you'll be with us for Take It or Leave It. By the way, if you want to participate in the fight, we've got an early edition of the fight today, 815. So text in your name and the word fight to 65780. And perhaps Emily will pitch you, uh, pick you for the fight coming up at 8.15 today. David Perron at 8.30. Matt Seebeck from STL City SC coming up at 8.45. But next up, is bringing back Colton Pareko a desperation move on the part of the Blues? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Yesterday, as the Blues traversed their game day skate, getting ready for the game against the Golden Knights, Colton Pareko practiced with the the fourth unit. So you had your your top three units, and then Colton Pareko was with the fourth. And then we learned later in the afternoon that the Blues had in in fact activated Colton Pareko from the IL, and he played last night. And Michelle, the first thing I thought of when I saw the email that the Blues had activated Pareko was, boy, they're desperate. Yes, they are. They're in the middle of a pretty tough skid right now, and a lot of the issues they have are defensively. So why wouldn't you, if you think that he's available for you in any capacity, go back out on the ice? And the operative word there is any capacity because there's almost no way that he can be 100%. Right. And I wonder what percent he is. I wonder how ready to go he was last night or how ready he will be the rest of the season, the the Blues don't have, as we've mentioned many times, an awful lot of runway left. And I, I don't know if they determine that, okay, he's just not going to get any better. This is as good as mm-hmm. we're going to get, so we might as well go now. You mentioned earlier in the show that 
a lot of this with the back injury might just be pain management at this point. If you can't make the injury any more severe, you can't aggravate it further. And we don't know exactly what he's dealing with. This is just us talking. Randy spoke to a medical professional last night who informed him of this, right? Mm -hmm. And if this is just a pain management thing and he's been out on the ice getting ready and he's telling you this is what I can do I'm available to this point if you were the blues why wouldn't you try it why wouldn't you try to put it back out there in the mix it's really the only move that you have exactly the way the defense had been performing so after the game Craig Berube asked about the decision to reinsert Pareko into the lineup Craig what went into the decision to uh, uh put Pareko in the lineup tonight or was that kind of the plan all along or well he was going to let us know when he was ready and he said he was ready to play tonight simple enough and maybe Pareko sensed the desperation on the part of the club perhaps and if if you're the Blues and if you're Colton Pareko aren't you hoping that bringing him back provides a spark for your team that a lot of the teammates know what he's dealing with and and know that he's going to sacrifice himself in a lot of ways to go out there and compete for the team because they clearly need help. If I was a member of the team and saw that he was clearly dealing with something but was still willing to play and put himself out there for us, that would made me want to push further. And I'm not suggesting that they weren't earlier, but I, I think it would just give you a little bit more of an oomph if you're the Blues. And this goes to our thought process earlier, Michelle, that he probably can't hurt himself anymore the back is what it is at the moment. The Blues aren't going to put him out there if there's a chance that this could cause more issues for his back. So you hope that you can get through the season with him, and then my guess would be either way, something is going to have to be done to alleviate the issues with the back. I would imagine. Um, And the Blues medical staff has obviously been working with him and monitoring, and they're they're not going to put him out there if they think it's going to be further detrimental to him. Uh, But... I wonder, is a 50% Colton Pareko out on the ice enough of a spark? Is that, based on what you're seeing defensively right now, is adding Colton Pareko even at a diminished percentage enough? No. It's not. No, they they didn't have that before he left. We, we saw what was happening before he left the lineup, and obviously you hope that he's good enough now, healthy enough now, so that he can play closer to what we've learned he's capable of over the years. Last night, Coach Berube, what'd you think? Just okay. I mean, it was tough. It's a long time he's been out. It's a tough game. Um, you know, I thought he looked pretty good early. Yeah. And then things fell apart. Exactly. But that is a tough position for him to come back into. The team's in the middle of a losing streak. You're going up against a very, very tough team in Vegas, and you haven't played in a long time. It's it's not an ideal situation for him to get his feet wet. And for Pareko, he's been rehabbing. He's been trying to get ready. What's the recovery been like? Yeah, I mean, you just got to keep monitoring it and um, continue to just do the things that um, – I guess you're told to uh, help heal it and just keep keep pushing and grinding and, and doing what you can to uh, get it better. So that was the process and um, just wanted to stick with it and do everything I could to uh, give myself a good chance to get healthy as quick as possible. And um, that's that was just how it went. So now here he is. He's healthy and, well, he's as healthy as he's going to be. What's the plan moving forward for Pareko? I think, like you mentioned, we have such a great group in there, and if there's a group that's going to turn it around, this is the group to do it. So we're sticking together. We're making, we're going to make progress. We're going to push. Tomorrow we're going to go to practice. We're going to have good practice, and we're getting ready for Wednesday. And um, I have no doubt this is, this is the group to turn it around. So um, 
I guess if we want to leave on a positive note here, we're going to do that and uh, we're going to come ready to play Wednesday and uh, do whatever we can to uh, put our best game out there and get, and get the result we want is, and obviously a win. So um, that's the plan is stick together, get better tomorrow, practice, come Wednesday and ready to play and get a win and um, just, just start something um, from there. That phrase, stick together, he mentioned several times, Colton Pareko did. And when I was watching the post game last night, David Perron said the same thing. We need to stick together. So clearly that's a message that's being spread throughout the locker room is, yes, things are tough right now. Yes, we are frustrated, but we can't let this get the best of us. We have got to stick together and keep playing our game. And Craig Bruby said a couple games ago, if you keep doing the things that you need to do correctly, the tide is going to turn. If, if, and it, clearly the players are listening to what the coaches are saying because if they're saying the same things back, we've got to stick together, clearly the mentality is the same. And perhaps that's one of the advantages of keeping the group together and, and signing guys to long-term contracts because a lot of times if you have a large group, a contingent of people that are going to be unrestricted free agents coming up, they act, as Doug Armstrong has called them in the past, as independent contractors. And now these guys know that if they succeed, they're going to be together. They they like each other. They want to be together. And that's one of the advantages, I believe, to having a group that knows is going to be together. Good point. I also wonder if they turn it around and potentially go on a little bit of a run here if we're not going to look back at this messaging of stick together and say yeah. that maybe they do have the mental toughness that some were suggesting that they don't have. And by the way, we should point out, I'll say this, Vegas and Colorado are just better teams. Yes. Even if the Blues are healthy, those teams saw the Blues win the Stanley Cup, said, what do we have to do to match the Blues? And so Vegas went out. They got another goalie. They added Petrangelo in that time. They, they've added Mark Stone. Actually, it was right around that time that the Blues were rolling. Colorado goes out and makes additions to play a heavier game and be able to play against the Blues. And one of the reasons those teams have such great records is because they were motivated by the Blues. And right now, if the Blues are healthy, the Avalanche are healthy, the Golden Knights are healthy, those two teams are better than St. Louis. Yeah, they're it's really good teams. Reality. And so the Blues even need to play more of a team game to succeed against them because the skill level is higher for those two teams. That's just reality. So are you in the panic bus still? Oh, big time. <laughs> yeah. Big time. Yeah, there's even with the injuries, and I'm willing to give the Blues the benefit of the doubt on the injuries. But you do have everybody back now. If this team misses the playoffs, and we talked to JR about this last week, if the Blues miss the playoffs, it's a disaster. It's a huge failure. Yeah. Catastrophic failure. I hope they stick together. I do too. As they said, and turn this thing around because that will be, I don't want to deal with that day. Let's <laughs> see, Randy, all roads lead to championships on Carriker and Smallman. And number two, the second of four pillars, deflect blame at all costs. So who are we blaming now? We, they have to deflect blame. They do, yeah. Yeah, so injuries, not their fault. No, they can't control know. injuries. They can't. We can find somebody else to blame too. Definitely, Petro, so, you jerk. The NHL schedule. Yeah, come on. Come on, really? Yeah. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line six five seven eight zero. We've got a game of Take It or Leave It on one hundred and one ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on one hundred and one ESPN. <laughs> Oh! <laughs> 
Eric and Smallman, 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it coming your way. 65780 is our Air Comfort Service text line. And Emily will have your questions for us. I'll get things started, Michelle. Uh, last Saturday night, Paul Pierce of ESPN having a little poker party, mm-hmm. having uh, some cigars and some drinks and invited some, some dancers over for entertainment. Dancers that are just trying to work their way through college. Well, he, he put it live on Instagram. He did. He did, he did an IG live and uh, showed some of these dancers that are trying to work their way through college. And ESPN apparently didn't take too kindly to the IG live. And they decided to fire Paul Pierce. Take it or leave it. Somebody should be fired for trying to put young ladies through school. I'm going to. Okay, in this specific situation, uh-huh. yes. I'm going to take it because mm-hmm. ESPN is owned by Disney. Uh-huh. And as someone that worked for Disney, mm-hmm. I know that um, having young ladies <laughs> show their skill set off on your IG uh-huh. Live probably isn't in the Disney handbook. So we are when we walk by the Disney store in Chicago or New York, we aren't going to see dolls of these young ladies in the window. Correct. We're going to see like the Cinderella's still and Sure. Got that. Got it. Okay. And and Cinderella might be down with that, but we don't know. She doesn't show that side of herself. Not on IG live. No, she keeps it professional. Um Randy, did you watch the IG live? I did not see everything. I saw some still photos and I saw maybe a minute of it. So I I watched it. It was not very long. There was only a couple hundred people on it. And Paul Pierce was (laughs) talking to the camera to someone named Monica. And he was like, Monica, what's up? If you're in L.A., come through. What's going on, Monica? And I'm curious if Monica ever showed up. If Paul Pierce is going to lose his job over this, I wonder if Monica ever made it to the party. And I wonder if Monica was one of the the dancers or if Monica is like his girlfriend. I I, I think she might have been a participant in the party. Okay. Because he was saying, come on, come hang with us. I'm, a, I'm guessing. If you're in L.A., he said, come hang with us. Okay. Guessing that they aren't married anymore. But at one point, Paul Pierce was married to Tito Landrum's daughter. Paul Pierce was Tito Landrum's son-in-law. Interesting. But you would think after reading about and hearing about seeing this IG live that they probably aren't betrothed anymore. He was just hanging out, Randy. He was just sitting at, poker. at a in a chair. He looked um, he looked relaxed. So, yeah, he sure did. He looked relaxed. So maybe she was upstairs watching the Final Four while this yeah, poker game was know. going she on. She could have been there. You never know okay. what was going on. Um, but, yeah, that was it. I just kept watching it being like, I wonder what happened to Monica. Did Monica ever come through? We'll see if we can find out. I wonder Sh- if we can. Should tweet. I tweet at Paul Pierce? Yes. Did Monica ever show? Yeah. And how do you feel if you're Monica? Knowing that he was trying to send you a video message, accidentally put it on IG Live, and then he loses his job over this. Yeah, that's... Not that it's Monica's fault by any means, but he really wanted you to be at the party, and it cost him his job. Yeah, there's 330 million people in the country. 300 of those 330 million were on IG Live watching Paul Pierce, and one of them was not Monica. One of them was not Monica. I don't think Monica was watching. (laughs) And if she was, she was probably very confused. And I, I wonder if he cared about the job. If it's really worth it to have 300 people watching. I bet he'll have another job pretty soon. He's been offered a job by a uh, a, a site where young ladies show themselves on live feeds. I also think I saw Barstool reaching out to him, uh-huh. which seems like a, 
a good landing spot yeah, if this Boston is how you, how you lose your job too. Yeah. Right? Okay, Randy, so we mentioned at the top of the show that the Jets have traded Sam Darnold to the Panthers, and a lot of people are pointing to their interest in BYU quarterback Zach Wilson as the thing that prompted this move. Take it or leave it. Zach Wilson will not be the answer for the Jets at quarterback. I'm going to take that, and I'm going to take that based on 50 years of experience of watching the Jets. All of a sudden, I feel so much less confident about Zach Wilson's future <laughs> because the Jets are so in on him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Chad Pennington. I mean, think about how great Mark Sanchez and Rex Ryan were. They were in the AFC Championship game. Twice. Twice. Yeah. So, and since then, well, before then, Richard Todd, and uh, they, they've been through a million quarterbacks. Uh, but, yeah, this is, I don't think Zach Wilson's going to be the answer either. Too bad. All right, Emily, what do you got for us from the text line? From the 314, take it or leave it, Tiger Woods retires this year. Leave it. I bet you Tiger Woods plays at least one event on the seniors tour. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go with you on this one, Randy. He is one of the most determined people alive. Mm-hmm. And if there's any way that he can physically do it, he's going to try to find a way to do it. And I wonder if for example, the Nike sponsorship requires that he not be retired. I don't know, but that's a lot of money. I wonder what retired means. Yeah. If he's still doing tour events where he shows up and he's just the face of Nike, does that count? Yeah. I wonder. No golfer retires. I mean, Jack Nicklaus hasn't retired. Gary Player hasn't retired. Arnold Palmer never did retire. They always keep playing. From the 217, take it or leave it. We need Lane Thomas ASAP. A good Lane Thomas, yes. Mm-hmm. Right field, did, uh, I don't think Dean got a hit. I think the Cardinals were are 0 for 14 from right field with eight strikeouts. Yeah, not great. And I thought that was a great spot to use Dean in yesterday, mm-hmm. especially when the Cardinals jumped out to that early lead, a little bit of the pressure off. But The Nogfather needs a shot. The right? big Nagowski. The big Nagowski. Yeah. So you just play O'Neal in right and put Nagowski in left and let her rip. From the 636, take it or leave it, a hot dog is a sandwich. Leave it. Well, does a hot dog have bread on each side of it? Yes. And is it in between, is it a piece of meat in between the pieces of bread? Yes. What does that constitute? But it's not really two pieces of bread. It's more of a bread boat. It's, it's in a mechanism specifically built for the hot dog. The hot dog is the main event, not the bun. Whereas a sandwich, you're using the bread as the bookends for everything inside. You, you need the two ends of bread to make the sandwich. You do not need the bun to enjoy the hot dog. You can cut the hot dog up like you do when you're a kid and dip it in your ketchup and mustard. Which is delicious, by the way. It's fine. If you're doing low carb, that's a great option, too. Yeah, you can do that. Okay, that's a reasonable yeah. response. Because the hot dog is just the actual hot dog. The okay. bun is just there. So what about a hot dog it. on a bun then? Sandwich or no? Hot dog on a bun, no sandwich. Okay. I think it's an accessory to the hot dog. Hmm. Is the hoagie bun an accessory to the hoagie? <laughs> is the hoagie bun an accessory to the hoagie? No. The hoagie is the main event there. Because you can put whatever you want on the hoagie. It's called a hoagie. <laughs> We're getting a right. lot of response from this. Take it or leave it from the 618. A euro is a sandwich. 
No, it's a gyro. You don't say, I want a gyro sandwich. You say, I want a gyro. It's its own separate deal. And a pita is a pocket. That's right. right. It's a pocket. It's different. Yeah. A sandwich is very specifically, and don't text in saying you can have a lettuce sandwich. You can sub in the bread for the lettuce. I don't want to hear that because that's just you making your, yourself miserable and the sake of health. But a sandwich is when you have, <laughs> you have two slices of your bread of choice and then you put whatever you want on the inside. Could be meat, could be veggies, could be PB&J, could work a banana, maybe some honey in there. Whatever you want. Peanut butter and banana. Mm. Elvis loves yep. it. But the bread is the vehicle for the sandwich. Whereas a hot dog, we're talking about the meat. A gyro, it's specifically a pocket. There's all of these different... If we're talking sandwiches as at the top of the pyramid here, all of the tentacles that go down could be different based on a gyro or whatever. But you need the bread part to have a sandwich. Got it. I, I feel like Billy Madison... It's controversial. Or no, in old school when Will Ferrell blacks out. He's like, I blacked out. <laughs> <laughs> From the 314, take it or leave it. The Chiefs make the Super Bowl again. Take it. Who in the AFC is going to beat the Chiefs? That's what I was just rolling through the Rolodex trying to think who was going to beat them in the AFC. It's not going to be Pittsburgh, the probably. Bills? The Bills. What about the Bills, Only Randy? possibility. Only possibility. Because it's not going to happen in the AFC West. It's not going to happen with Baltimore or Pittsburgh or Cleveland, all due respect. Uh... Or Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Uh, our Dolphins have a shot, but they're probably a year away. And then they could uh, surprise, though. They could surprise. Well, they're going to win the division over Definitely. Buffalo. There's of no course. doubt about that. Of course. And then uh, Jacksonville's not there yet. Indy. Indy. Oh, wait, you're telling me Trevor Lawrence won't take them to the Super Bowl in their first year? Not yet. He's. I Second. thought he was supposed to be the savior. Well, he only offensively. Okay. Okay. And then of course the Colts have a, have a shot, but no, Pittsburgh or uh, Kansas City is going back to the Super Bowl. From the 636, take it or leave it, Baylor beats Gonzaga eight out of ten times. And then the side note from this, Baylor was just a better team with a better schedule to prepare for a late season run. I'm going to leave it. Eight out of ten times is a lot. That's a good Gonzaga team. Yeah. I'm going to. Obviously, they were undefeated up until last night. I'll I'll go six out of ten, though. I mean, Baylor dominated them. They did. Absolutely dominated them. But if if you're playing those two teams ten times... Well, let's look at it. And they're more familiar with one another. I don't think that Baylor wins that many times. Best of seven. If they play that like the NBA, that series is going seven probably. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. And thank you very much for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. The Cardinal pitching started and finished well last night. How important was it? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. In St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We have an early fight today coming up in about 10 minutes. And then David Perron at the bottom of the hour at Seabeck from St. Louis City SC coming up at 845 to talk about some of the new partnerships that St. Louis City SC has. And here we are, Michelle, only a couple of years away from that soccer team getting things rolling and the the start of that franchise and the 
the existence of that franchise is going to be awesome. It's going to be great. It's going to be incredible. Everything they've done so far has been a home run. They've done everything to perfection from the name rollout to their first founding partner in Purina, which is such a great St. Louis company. They're going to have all of these events around the club and around town, uniting soccer fans and pet lovers all over St. Louis. It's going to be great. I can't wait until we can talk about players, Randy, and strategy. We need to get you up to speed on soccer, too. Maybe that should be a segment that we start to do once we get closer. I, I can do soccer play by play. Okay, go ahead. Let jog, me jog, 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 kick. Jog, 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 kick. Fall, fall. Uh-oh. Stretcher. Fall. Stretcher. Fall. Should we just reach out to City SC and see if you could be the play by play announcer? Why not? Seems like you got it on lock. Yeah, it's pretty easy. And then eventually, like in the 63rd minute, you get to go, go! <laughs> that was so impressive. Thanks. And unexpected. <laughs> I didn't know that you could do that, Randy. That, that was, I've been practicing. That I, I, I'm, a, I'm applying for the gig. A hidden skill. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had a timer on that one. Me yeah, too. And see, Randy. I could have kept going too. If you were the, <laughs> I wasn't out of gas there. No way. I could have. No way. Yeah, we can tie. Well, some other day, we'll, when we're talking soccer, we'll time it, but I could do more. Okay, well, I think you should definitely put your name in the ring for the play-by-play job, and that can be a thing that people can bet on, is how long is Randy Carricker's goal <laughs> call going to be today? <laughs> it's hey, a prop bet. <laughs> uh, speaking of length, Daniel Ponce de Leon, 93 pitches last night. He <laughs> went five innings for the Cardinals. That was great, but then the Cardinal bullpen was even better. Jordan Hicks goes an inning. He strikes out a batter in his scoreless frame. Giovanni Gallegos allows a hit and strikes out two in his two scoreless innings. And then Anthony Reyes came on and ended things. A, a soft hit uh, liner into right, but he threw a scoreless inning, only threw 13 pitches. And after the game, after those four scoreless innings, Mike Schilt talked about some of the assets that he has in that bullpen. You know, Pauls and Gio and Alex were tremendous tonight. You know, Gio was able to pick up two and um, and very efficient with it. And of course, Alex was efficient as well, um, getting the ninth. So it's a great situation. You know, we're not always going to have the guy, the, the guys available every night. Um, you know, and we expect to play with leads. So, you know, for for interchangeable parts, you had to have Jordan be able to go in and get a little bit later, but. Those six, seven innings are, are big parts of ball games, you know, and, and a guy that can come in, and I'm not saying Jordan will be relegated to that, but, you know, it's a good spot um, where a guy can come in and, like I said, get that ground ball, get that punch out, and get you out of, you know, you know, softer contact, get you out of a jam, you know, keep that lead going and, and maybe go back out for that seventh as he starts to build up. And then as he progresses um, based on the day, sure, he can absolutely with that kind of stuff, go get the eighth and clearly get the ninth as well. So, um, you know, there's, there's, it's a, um, they're nice, nice assets to have weapons to use. And Michelle, the other interesting part of this is they don't want to use Hicks in back-to-back games. Right. Last night they threw Gallegos and they probably 
after he threw 26 pitches, he's probably unavailable. And Reyes threw 13 pitches. So you've got Hicks, Reyes, Gallegos, probably not available tonight. So you're going to have to turn to your three left-handers. And then Ryan Helsley eventually is going to have to do something positive for the Cardinals out of the bullpen. But they have guys, and I said this before the season started, and despite Helsley's start, I still believe this. When the Cardinals bring a relief pitcher into the game, I don't feel uncomfortable about it. Any of their relievers, I feel comfortable with. I agree. I think that that's probably the portion of the team that we feel the most confident in is any of their relievers. I just hope that these Cardinals starting pitchers can continue to get some innings. We saw it out of Ponce last night. Good for him to go five. Hopefully we can see that out of Gantt as well. But that's the one early micro trend and yes I know it's incredibly early though that seems to be a little bit troubling for the Cardinals is not having their pitchers go deep enough into games you don't want to wear out the bullpen but it's so early it's the first week of the season the as first to- week of the season of the season as Tony La Russa would say so obviously our alarm bells aren't going off yet but that's just something that you would like to see because this is a really important part of the team that you don't want to overuse Gant threw pretty well in spring training but if you can't get five out of him tonight and if you're going to try to use the three left-handers in Helsley to get you from the end of the fifth to the ninth, Jake Woodford's probably going to have to give you a quality inning or two. But hopefully Gant doesn't get lit up. And he, against Miami, he should not. So my hope would be that the Cardinals can get at least five out of him and then more than five out of Flaherty tomorrow and then come home and have a healthy, rested bullpen for the opener. That would be great. And hopefully uh, a healthy, rested Adam Wainwright, too. Right. Are you happy with the way that the offense has performed because they did have the the bad game on Sunday in Cincinnati and you're going to have those but it's been 11 runs 6 runs, 1 run, 4 runs so it hasn't been like you're locked in at 5 runs a game but I like what I see from the offense So do I. Obviously you would have liked those two final games in Cincinnati to have more production but I love the way that they opened the game yesterday I love the way that they opened the first game of the season that's what I hope this Cardinals team continues to do is pile on that offense early give your starting pitchers some run support make their job a little bit easier get out to an early lead because that's something the offense is something that is going to be concerning for me probably until the first Mm -hmm. month or two of the season just based on prior trends but I do like what we've seen so far my only concern is that you have Tyler O'Neill off to another bad start, yeah. 188, 235 on base. And as we mentioned earlier, right field so far, 0-4-14 with eight strikeouts. So perhaps, I don't know if you improve yourself by putting O'Neill, who went 0-4 with a couple of strikeouts last night. If you put him in right, you can't do worse than 0-4 from the right fielders. And we we had the text earlier, maybe... Lane Thomas is an option, but right now he's not playing in games. So he hasn't done anything in a game to make you believe that he's any better than he was in spring training. Right. I don't know. And maybe uh, maybe Tyler O'Neill's the one you yeah. keep running out yeah. there. It's like we said, it's it's four games, and you are getting what you expected out of your top guys. Goldschmidt hitting three seventy five right. with a nine forty four OPS. Arenado's OPS is over a thousand, and he's hitting four twelve. Edmund got going last night with a couple of runs scored. He had a hit and a walk and, of course, the home run. And Yachty, even though he's only hitting 231, is, like Yachty does, giving you the big hits. Also, you've seen some good things out of Dylan Carlson, right? No doubt about it. And That's one of my positive early trends is Dylan Carlson. Yeah, I, I want him. First of all, he's getting a good look. He's taking walks. 
But I just want him to swing the bat and be aggressive early on in the count. But he can do it. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, we've got an early edition of The Fight on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Welcome back to Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. We have an early edition of the fight today. Normally we do the fight at 830, but we're going to talk to David Perron coming up next segment. So you don't want to miss that. So we have an early edition of the fight, as I mentioned. And Randy's competition today is Dale. What's up, Dale? How you doing? Uh, pretty good. You know, I heard Randy thinking that a hot dog is a sandwich, so I'm feeling pretty confident today. Yeah. What is he doing with that? So you're obviously on my side here. A hot dog is not a sandwich. Yeah. I mean, common sense. Yeah. Right. So how would you determine what a sandwich is? Do you think a gyro is a sandwich? Is a pita a sandwich? We had this debate in the in the break as well. No, I think you were spot on. And even when you described it, you're into So I think you're not consensus, Jim. Thank you, Dale. Well, I'm obviously cheering for you today, so good luck. <laughs> All right, Dale. Question number one. Baylor won their first NCAA championship in school history last night, their first basketball championship. Who was the last Big 12 school to win the NCAA basketball championship before this? Was it Texas Tech, Kansas, or Texas? Uh, it would be Kansas. The Cardinals beat the Marlins 4-1 to yesterday, and will face them again tonight at 540 with John Gant going against Sandy Alcantara. Who was the Marlins' all-time home runs leader? Is it John Carlos Stanton, Miguel Cabrera, or Hanley Ramirez? Uh, I stick with Stanton. All right, Dale, question number three. Who is the active NBA leader in assists? Is it Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, or Chris Paul? Um, I would say I'll go with LeBron. And Coors Field is now set to host the MLB All-Star Game. Where was the last MLB All-Star Game played? Was it Progressive Field, Dodger Stadium, or Nationals Park? I think it was Dodger Stadium. Okay, we're checking our score here. Randy is on his way back in. Oh, he's already coming back in the studio. You were right out there ready to go today, Randy. Normally, he's chatting in the hall. Randy's a social butterfly, and it's hard to get his attention to get him back in the studio when he's in the cone of silence. But today, he was ready. There's nobody out there. Oh, yeah. nobody's out there today. Doesn't look no. like there's anyone there. I was talking to Christy from HR. Oh, are you in trouble? No, we were <laughs> actually talking about the basketball game last night. Oh, okay, great. Randy, say what's up to Dale. <laughs> Am I in trouble? <laughs> I don't know, Randy. We never know with this show. Sometimes we say things. We can get in trouble. Morning, Dale. How you doing? Hey, good, Randy. How's it going? Good. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Okay, Randy, question number one. Baylor won their first NCAA basketball championship in school history last night. Who was the last Big 12 school to win the NCAA championship before this? Kansas. The Cardinals beat the Marlins 4-1 to yesterday, and we'll see them again tonight at 5.40 p.m. with John Gant going against former Cardinal Sandy Alcantara. Who is the Marlins' all-time home run leader? Marlins all-time home run leader. I, um, I think I'm gonna go with 
Gary Sheffield. I don't think there's been anybody that has actually stayed with them long enough to have a significant amount of home runs. So I'm going to go, because Cabrera was only there for like two years. Um, Bonilla was there for a little while, but not long enough. Um, Baron Dalton. Um, yeah, I think I'll try to think Mike Lowell wasn't there long enough. I think I'll go with Sheffield. Randy, who is the active NBA leader in assists? Active NBA leader in assists. This is a good one. I'm going to say Chris Paul. Just going to play the chalk here. And Coors Field is set to host the MLB All-Star Game. Where was the last MLB All-Star Game played? Last MLB All-Star Game two years ago. Uh, let's see. Wasn't New York. Um, I can just go through here. They I don't think it was Cincy. Uh, wasn't Oakland? Wasn't uh, you know, I'll do the lifeline. Was it Progressive Field, Dodger Stadium, Nationals Park? Hmm. I'll go with DC. All right, Dale, Randy, you two are tied. Hmm. You each got two correct. So we're going to the tiebreaker. Okay. Dale, here's how this is going to work. I'm going to read the tiebreaker question. Randy is going to write down his answer. I don't know if it's going to be on a okay, legal pad, a little loose leaf action today. Um, and as he's writing it down, you're going to get first crack at this. We're going to let you answer first. You're going to have about 10 seconds to give us your answer. And then Randy will reveal what he wrote down. First to get it correct or closest to the pin wins. All right, Dale? Sounds good. Randy, you good? I'm ready. I see you squiggling with the Sharpie there. Your writing utensil work okay? It does. All right, great. All right, Dale and Randy, your tiebreaker question is this. The NFL draft is coming up on April 29th. How many SEC players were drafted in the first round of the 2020 NFL draft? How many SEC players were drafted in the first round of the 2020 NFL draft? Um... Um, let's go nine. Okay, Dale's answer is nine. Randy, your answer? Fourteen. Fourteen. Ton of LSU guys. Emily, ring that bell. We have a winner and still champion, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs. I'm sorry, Dale. Great fight out of you, but Randy was closest to the pin on the tiebreaker, and he takes home the W. Let's run through our answers before we reveal the tiebreaker answer. So the last Big 12 school outside of Baylor to win the NCAA championship was Kansas back in 2008. 2008. Been a while. The Marlins' all-time home run leader is Giancarlo Stanton with 267. Ah, forgot about him. The active leader in assists in the NBA is Chris Paul, 10,074. And the last Major League Baseball All-Star game was played at Progressive Field in Mm. Cleveland, Ohio. So the tiebreaker question was, how many SEC players were drafted in the first round of the 2020 NFL draft? The correct answer is 15. Wow. 15. Almost half. There was a ton. And obviously, as you mentioned, a lot of LSU players and a lot of Alabama players. Yep. So, Dale, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for playing. Have an awesome day. Thank you, too, guys. 
Dale, we do appreciate you being with us here on 101 ESPN, where it's 824. We're going to talk to David Braun coming up in just a moment, but we do want you to know that Michelle tomorrow is going to head on over to the Rally House store in Chesterfield, and you're going to be handing out $10 gift cards to anybody who comes in with a jersey, right? That's right. Looking forward to that. Wear your favorite jersey, and if you don't have one, buy one at Rally House. I'm sure a lot of people out there haven't secured that Nolan Arenado jersey that they want, and now is your time to do it. And if you wear a jersey, all you have to do is walk into Rally House, and Michelle will provide you with that $10 Rally House gift card. The Cardinals' home opener on Thursday, the blue season in full swing. It's a great chance to stock up with official gear, and all you have to do is wear that jersey. Michelle will provide you the gift card while supplies last to anybody wearing a jersey. It's all happening tomorrow from noon to 2 with Michelle at Rally House in Chesterfield Commons. So come see me. Come out uh, out and, and say hi to Michelle. That is Michelle. I'm Randy. And coming up, we're going to visit with blues winger David Perron on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. David Braun scheduled to join us. We'll try to catch up with the Blues Winger here as we go through this segment. And our deepest apologies. Uh, we get a text from the 816. Hey, Michelle, last night was not Baylor's first national basketball championship. The women have won a national basketball championship. Give credit where credit is due, and we could not be more sorry about getting that question wrong because, indeed, Baylor has won a championship, and they they won it in the women's game. So we were going to give credit where credit is due, and that makes the question wrong because mm-hmm. Baylor won in 2012. Wasn't so the last that, wasn't that Brittany Griner? I believe it was. Yeah. So the last Big 12 championship for uh, basketball was Baylor in 2012, and A and M still in the Big 12 had won back in 2011 as well. So our mistake. We're so apologetic, and we're we're sorry. So is that then justice for Dale? Kind of is. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Michelle, coming up during the crossover, because Baylor did win the championship, well, and because Illinois didn't, and and Gonzaga was in the game, uh, when we get to the crossover, we're going to have to determine what your punishment is because you lost to me. And so we'll we'll do that coming up in the crossover. But right now, we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And uh, our friend, blues winger David Braun, kind enough to join us, as he does every week on Character and Smallman. David, good morning. Good to have you with us. Good morning. Well, let's start with this. Uh, w- you get home after a game like last night. Uh, do you carry... What's happening with the Blues with you? Uh, how long does a loss like that, how long does a, a streak like this stay with David Perron, or are you able to compartmentalize and get away from it? Yeah, I think it's important to try and, and uh, get away and turn the page a little bit, knowing that today, obviously, we're going we're gonna to look at what went wrong again uh, last night. Uh, one thing I can tell you, though, is I know for a fact there's no quit in our group. Um, we, we're we just going to go back to work. And and really, um, we had some, some good games over the weekend in Colorado. Again, I know it's been kind of the trend, but uh, we got to stick together and uh, more than ever right now. And uh, that's uh, including everyone in our organization. And um, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to get, getting back to work today. 
David, you just mentioned sticking together. I heard you in your post game last night reference that same phrase. I heard Colton Pareko say it's important for this team to stick together. How do you how do you do that? Is it just keeping the same messaging and keeping the positivity up throughout the team? How do you guys stick together during what is obviously a frustrating time for you? Yeah, yeah, it's tough. Uh, it's hammer away at details, hammer away at our identity that. As a team, we know we have to play on a more and more consistent basis every shift, every game. And it's always, I, I mentioned that again, like you said in my uh, uh, post-game conference, like if, if you don't do that every single game, you always have to bring it up. Like you always have to redo it the next game. And I think that at times we're guilty of we get our two one or two goals um, against and maybe... We start uh, going away from that, and uh, we end up giving uh, easy opportunities for the other team, and and that's on the players. We know what identity the coaches have bring have been bringing it up really the last three years of how we have to play to be successful, and and we have been. We ha- we were last year for the most part of the season. We were uh, first uh, in our conference before COVID hit, um, and uh, really like uh, the message is is pretty simple. It's playing deep. We get every single puck back. It's hard for the other team to spend all the energy to get away, get out of their zone, and, and make plays from there. And um, at times we've been guilty of turnovers at the blue line, uh, a little bit too many uh, uh, toe drags or whatever, and uh, we just got to get back to that. And I'm really confident in our group that when we do it, it looks great, even in our first period last night. Like We, we played one of our one of our good periods in, in the first period against uh, the Golden Knights last night, and um, we got to find a way to, to do that the whole game. Hey, David, coach talked afterwards about uh, the, the level. It's kind of a, a crisis in confidence, it seems like. That third goal goes in to make it 3-1 early in the second period, and it's almost like it's uh, a fait accompli that something bad is going to happen. And coach used the term weak-minded, it's, and I'm going to say lack of confidence, but it does seem like bad things beget more bad things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and Chief is great. Like we we love him. He he hammers away at details. He just keeps coaching us uh, the right way, the way we need to play to be successful. And uh, I mean, absolutely, it's a fine line that uh, when you're, you're not confident as a group or or whatever, it takes one shift to go the other way, and uh, it can snowball in a hurry. And it's it's really it's the same thing the other way. We're not that far off in a sense that. The way we made the, the Golden Knights feel in the first period last night, I, I really think they were starting to, to understand that uh, we can beat them if we play like that the whole night. We just didn't. And, uh, again, like, uh, we got to stick together in this process. I know it's, it sounds crazy maybe for, for some people, but for the guys in the room, for the coaches, for everyone in the organization, uh, it doesn't. I, I know we're right there, and we got to believe that our system is, is the right one because it is. We won that way. And uh, we're going to keep winning that way. Is sticking together a given? I would think that you guys, as long as you've played hockey, whether it's the young players or the veterans, that it is a given. Okay, we're going to succeed if we stick together. Or do you do the veteran players need to mention that to the kids? Hey, make sure that w- we stick together and we're on the same page. Yeah, it, it's on us. Yes, it's you know, it's on the older guys to make sure that the young guys stay with it and. And maybe sometimes, yeah, when you're younger, you might be guilty of little things uh, fading away just because uh, you haven't gone through all these battles. I was like that when I was a young guy. Keith the truck brought me back many times, and that's how it goes. Uh, it, it is a different mentality than it used to be maybe 
you can't be as hard on guys as, as uh, maybe Walt was on me, which is fine. <laughs> uh, but we we got to find a way through this and uh, sticking together. Like like I just said, is is finding a way to get those messages behind closed doors together and uh, making sure that everyone knows that we're we're still in this. There's going to be no quit. And uh, again, like uh, I'm excited to get the rank today. I turned the page on last night, and we will revisit things we the coaches want to look at today, and that's how it's going to go. And I'm sure we're expecting a hard practice, things like that, and that's just the way it goes with the game right now. And it, it really, it's it's no different. Sorry, it's no different than a guy goes through um, a streak where he's not producing uh, or he's not scoring goals, and he's supposed to score goals. He's got to stick with it. If he's getting chances, uh, Jaden Schwartz for him right now, people can say he's not getting the bounces, thing like that. The way he played in the first period, the way he played. He plays every night how hard he works. I'm not even worried about him. I know he's going to find a way to score. I know he's going to find a way to contribute on the offensive side. And he is doing many, many little details that we need to do every single shift out there for our group to, to be successful. So uh, he's still a leader for us. And um, I think that's the same same applies to to our team game. David, when I look at this team, while it's a different team in totality, so many of the core members here were the same guys who a few seasons ago came back from being in dead last place to go on to win the Stanley Cup. So when I hear phrases like mentally tough being thrown around, that team that you were on that ended up winning the Stanley Cup is perhaps the most mentally tough team that I've ever witnessed in my life. You guys came back from being in dead last place. It didn't matter if you had to win on the road. You did it. Hand pass. Whatever was thrown your way, you were able able to overcome it. So when you look at this situation is there anything that you learned during that period that you and some of your teammates can apply to this situation yeah yeah absolutely and uh, I mean how, how great that feeling was to just turn it around obviously we end up winning the cup and that doesn't happen but just just the, the feeling that we had it felt so special and it was everyone pulling on the same rope the, the same way and uh, it could feel like we're we're right there. We're in these moments right now. We got to find a way, and it's going to be great if we do because it's going to we're going to find that same feeling, and we can be a very dang- dangerous team if we do that. So um, that's why I'm excited. That's why I'm I'm, uh, I'm looking forward. Like uh, we were talking about after the game last night, had a couple conversations with different people that um, that I trust. Talk about things that we can do better, things like that. And uh, again, like uh, we got to find a way to turn the page on this clear our heads and, uh, and and go back at it and have this uh, mindset that we're going to play full 60 minutes the way we played in the first period, the way we played basically both games in Colorado and, and that we're going to get the result. And when teams aren't as confident or a little bit uh, the mindset is a little off, uh, it happens like in Colorado where we, we find a way to lose the game with 40 seconds left. But when we get that uh, click, we turn that around by again, by sticking together, by playing the right way, uh, we're going to start getting the bounces the other way. We're going to win a game one nothing. We're going to win a game 2-1, and uh, we're going to go the other way. David Perron, what did you think of big number 55 returning to the lineup? Yeah, I mean, a little bit surprised uh, that he came back. I was ex- uh, I saw him walk in the rink around 4, 4, third, whatever time it was, and I, was, I got really excited because I, I actually didn't know myself he was going to play, and I was like, what are you doing here? And uh, Yeah, so uh, it was great. Obviously, it's been a tough process for him, and I know that, uh, I mean, the game happened the way it happened, but for him to, to be back in our lineup, first game back, get his feet under, underneath him a little bit, uh, it's very exciting. He, he covers a lot of ice. We, we saw 
uh, even subtle little plays uh, as players that he closed on guys. His stick is good. He's got a long stick, big guy. Obviously takes up a, a lot of room on the ice, so it's, it's, he's a hard guy to play against. You, you just don't beat him easily, and uh, it's a big boost for our lineup for sure. Hey, David, we know that things are tough, and we appreciate you joining us during these tough times with the character and Smallman every week, and we know that you guys are doing your best to turn it around. Good luck against the Golden Knights tomorrow. Have a good practice today, and we'll talk to you next week. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you, appreciate sir. It. Appreciate it. That is David Perron, Blues Winger on 101 ESPN. I love his mentality. That's exactly what this team needs to turn this around. He's right. Turn the page. I love that he said he was excited to get out there and mm-hmm. have a hard practice today and that he feels confident in this team turning it around. That's what they need. Yeah, and hopefully they'll be able to, just like he said, have that one that one event. It's, it, rather than have it be a process, have one event that kind of turns things around in a blink. That's David Braun. Coming up, we're going to talk to Matt Seebeck. He is from St. Louis City SC. We're going to talk about their new partnership and where they are in terms of putting together their game day experience. Talking a little soccer next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Scheduled to visit with Matt Seebeck of St. Louis City SC and Michelle had the honor last week of being the MC for the reveal of Purina being the the title sponsor of the kit for St. Louis City SC. And I, I know that the actual kit isn't available, but when you look at the logo and you look at the colors, it's going to be very cool with the checkerboard and with the Purina logo and then all the affiliation with dogs. Oh, it's going to be great. It's two great St. Louis organizations and soccer and uniting pet lovers and soccer fans all over St. Louis. Yeah, I should throw cats in there too. I'm not throwing cats, but I'm I'm bundling cats with dogs. Gently placing cats into the conversation. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that was part of the the shoot was amazing. I was so glad to be able to MC the event, but I think the best part about it was that there was so many dogs on set. It was very fun <laughs> to have so many cute faces, so many cute dogs there. But You're right about the kit. We don't have a look at the kit yet, but if you watch the announcement or if you've gone to um, St. Louis City SC's website and you've seen the scarf that they have rolled out after announcing Purina Mm -hmm. as their first founding partner and jersey sponsor, it's going to be awesome. It looks very cool. I was very happy to secure one. You have one of the scarves? I do, Randy. It was part of the deal. That's pretty awesome. That I was able to to snag a scarf. But yeah. it's going to be so great. And the, the cool thing about this is we still have a little bit until the team, obviously, will take to the pitch. But everything that the club is doing as far as a rollout is just getting fans more and more excited. And as soon as you find out that Purina is involved, you're excited. Do you see the scarf? You're excited. And you know that all of the... The additional excitement is still to come. You're still going to find out about the players. You're going to get to see the kit. Imagine once the stadium is done. All mm-hmm. of this stuff is building towards something great. And one of the guys that is in charge of having that unbelievable opening day and that unbelievable game day experience for St. Louis City SC is Matt Seebeck, who joins us now on 101 ESPN. Matthew, it's always good to talk to you. How are you doing? Randy, thanks for having me. Beautiful morning today. Let's go. It, it's perfect, <laughs> and it's amazing to think that in two years from right now, St. Louis City SC will be playing. 
It is great. And, you know, we're counting down the clock. I think, you know, we, we want games, you know, we're all fans here at the club as well. Um, but, you know, in the absence, uh, let's have a little fun and, you know, we don't start play until 23, but, um, you know, stadium is, is on track and in, in downtown West of St. Louis, it opens up, uh, you know, hopefully on track at the end of next summer. So, you know, we've got these, these milestones that are at least within sight now. So um, it, it, it's getting fun. Well, one of those milestones, Matt, was announcing Purina as your first founding partner and Jersey sponsor. And it just seems like this is such a natural fit to bring a great St. Louis company like Purina and have them be involved with City SC. It was so fun, Michelle. Yeah, it, you know, soccer jerseys and, and sponsorships, they're, they're iconic. They are very valued real estate on the front of our jersey. And it literally is, is built... <laughs> you know, into the fabric of our club. So, and, and that, you know, it can be anything because it's such a valuable piece of real estate that will be on, you know, television, terrestrial and digital media. Um, you know, you look at the English Premier League, um, which sets a lot of the benchmarks for this. Half of the companies on the front of jerseys are betting companies with a lot of growth. Uh, so you can really see how important that is. And so for us to have, you know, really the ability to, partner with Purina on this, another St. Louis-based company that shares so many of our values and missions for a brighter St. Louis and their commitment to downtown uh, is just really a a match made in heaven. So we we could not be happier. Matt Seebeck from St. Louis City SC is with us on 101 ESPN. As you prepare for that opening day, Matt, I know that a lot of franchises go around to other games, other matches to see what they do, but it seems like you're coming up with a lot of creative ideas on your own at St. Louis City SC. How much of what you're doing is not really reinventing the wheel and how much new stuff will we see from a percentage standpoint? Uh, I think it's about 80, 20, you know, like we, um, you know, pre pandemic visited a lot of stadiums, not really influenced, you know, the design that you see. So, you know, take different ingredients from various stadiums that we liked and, you know, put those into this recipe that we're building here. While then, you know, that 20% wanting to be, you know, uniquely and organically St. Louis, but also, you know, follow the trends of the time, you know, consumer behavior from the pandemic is changing incredibly quickly. Technology, as we know, is changing faster than ever before. So, you know, some of it is, you know, take all of these ingredients of what's been done before, but, you know, where we think those things will be in 2023 and ultimately uh, arrive at some of these conclusions. So, you know, I'm a, this is, this is my first gig in sports. Um, I'm a, I'm a big sports fan, as you know, Um, but really, you know, a lot of, I think the, experience that I bring to the table is um, experience with retail and restaurant brands. So how do we bring that level of, you know, convenience and and how we order food and and pick up food and get food delivered, like all of those things uh, to be able to bring a lot of those patterns and practices into the sports environment, we think is, is, you know, pretty cool. and, And we have one chance to do it right. Matt, one of the cool things in this rollout is that St. Louis City SC actually secured the Mutt Cuts dog van from the movie Dumb and Dumber, and you're driving it around town and dropping off some of the Purina swag to fans and to to our furry fans, too. Tell me how that process went down, because once I saw that that was something you guys guys were going to do, I thought, that is brilliant. (laughs) Yeah, we we got pretty deep into it, you know, and, you know, I think, you know, at at the heart of that was really... Um, you know, Randy, to your question, like we, we want to be out, we want to be watching our own games. And if we can't watch our own games, we want to, we want to be watching other, other soccer games in the community. Um, you know, we want to be out in bars. We want to be at Amsterdam Tavern with fans watching games. And in the absence of that, you know, last year, we, we just wanted to get out and, you know, the weather's been nicer. And so, the, you know, the idea was to get out into the neighborhood safely, 
um, but to have some fun with it. And we brought up this idea of, of the Mud Cuts band from, from Dumb and Dumber, thinking that, you know, clearly there's no way we're going to get it, or, you know, is there a way we could cobble together our own version of it? Um, and, you know, we did some, some quick uh, internet searching and found out that the actual van from the real movie was located in Branson, Missouri, because why not? Everything else is in Branson. So, you know, we were able, we were able to work with the museum owner uh, where it was located to bring that up um, and, uh, and, and really spend three days with us. And people loved it. You know, um, soccer fans, we knew were going to be excited about Purina on the front of our jersey. But for us, this was a real opportunity to actually provide, you know, a level of fun and enjoyment for people that might not be interested in soccer yet. So, you know, we, we, we stopped a lot of places last week. We drove over 200 miles across the region. Uh, we, we hit 30 different stops from dog shelters to, to dog parks, um, Steve's hot dogs, because why not? Um, and, and people just really had a lot of fun with it. You know, sports are in the air. The weather's nice. People are starting to get out. And, um, you know, so to be able to have some fun with it, but to do it safely was really important for us. Hey, Matt, one last thing. For, I almost called you Mutt because of the... the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Matt, how, uh, as you drive the van around and you have the release, I know that there was huge response when the name of the team came out. What sort of brand awareness is out there about the franchise in St. Louis right now? It, it's... it's um. You can feel it. Uh, you, you really can. And I think that's one of the most exciting things for us as a club is, you know, a lot of our employees started last August when, um, you know, when we announced the team name, the colors, the crest, and to really go from, from nothing um, to where we're at today, six months later, and to see those, you know, stickers on the cars around town, kids wearing gear, um, you know, lines 50 to 100 deep at these stops we made last week with the Mutt Cuts band. Um, you can really feel the energy, and I think it just goes to show the energy and enthusiasm and, the, and really the, the, the history and fabric of soccer here across the region that this, this was an, an itch that's been unscratched for so long. And so to be able to bring this team here and not only build on that foundation, but then really open it up um, to, you know, to, to fans, as I said, that, that may not have been interested in soccer or that don't get up on Saturday mornings and watch your, the European game. Um, we just, you know, continue to build that brand and, and um, you know, choose, choose to look at that two-year runway that we have now in front of us as an opportunity to, um, you know, invite more people into the fold. And our expectation would be that uh, over the course of the next months and certainly the, the next year or so, you'll probably have some more partnership announcements to make. Plenty of announcements, yeah. We've got really, you know, the next six months pretty, pretty laid out. We've got some exciting stuff. Um, you know, a lot of announcements of, of, you know, downtown West and our district as that evolves, um, you know, sponsorship announcements and, and a lot of other kind of fun fan engagement things planned for the next couple months here. Well, we're excited. We always love talking about it. We always love talking to you, Matt. Thanks so much for the time today. Congratulations on the Purina partnership and have a great day. All right, Randy and Michelle, thanks for your help along the way. You did great. Thanks, Thanks, Matt. You're the best. Matt Seebeck from St. Louis City SC with us on 101 ESPN. And, of course, if you want to watch that video, just go to the website, the uh, video that was helmed by Michelle Smallman with the announcement of Purina. And like Matt said, 
every couple of weeks, I would think that we'll get another drop of knowledge about this franchise. Absolutely. And as we're talking to Matt and you asked him the question about brand awareness here in St. Louis, they're driving around the Mutt Cuts van and engaging with the fan base and the community. I thought to myself, how cool is that, that they're building the foundation of a fan base and traditions here in St. Louis that are going to carry on for generations. Yeah. Because I was born into being a Cardinals fan. I was born into being a Blues fan. And think about how cool that is that what they're building now, kids of the next generation are going to be born into being City SC fans. And it was, uh, I thought again about what a shame it is because we had the exact same thing with the Battlehawks. Yes. They did a fantastic job of building brand awareness and a fan base before they had ever played a game. And I, I love seeing St. Louis City SC do it. But you, this is a town where you can. This yes. is a town where you can build brand awareness if you're just good people. And that's what we have as the ownership of St. Louis and, and the front office, everybody involved with St. Louis City SC. They're, they're good people and they're doing things the right way. Well, I think what both franchises did is they actually spoke to the community and more importantly, they listen. They engage mm-hmm. with the St. Louis sports fan and the St. Louis community. And they say, what do you want to see out of this organization? What would make a great game day experience. What do you want to see out of our team? And then they take that feedback and they implement it in creative ways. That's exactly what the Battlehawks did. And that's exactly what City SC is doing as well. And if you notice when Matt was speaking, one thing that I took away from the press conference that I was lucky enough to emcee is both representatives from City SC and Purina, when they speak about this venture together, talk about not only what it's going to do from a sporting standpoint, but how they're going to be great neighbors in the St. Mm-hmm. Louis community. Right. Their mission is very important. It's very important to them and the fabric of what they're doing to revitalize this area of downtown St. Louis and to provide soccer and access to all of these things to everyone in St. Louis, not just one section of St. Louis. And one other quick note, both of my dogs and heck for the last... I don't know how many years since we've had dogs and they had sports gear for dogs. Yeah. Like I've got a dog right now. One's wearing a Cardinal collar. One's wearing a blues collar. It's go. just the way they are. And St. Louis City SC to have that involvement with as much money as people spend on their pets. That's right. It's really a smart partnership because pets are going to love St. Louis City. There's got to be like dog soccer balls with the St. Louis City SC logo, right? Oh, absolutely. My dog loves, she loves to carry bones in her mouth and then play soccer with her ball. Okay, so your dog will have something that they just carry around. Because my dog does that too. He has this little toy that's a fox, and sometimes he will carry it around the entire neighborhood on a walk. He will not let it go. You can't get it away from him. He just likes to carry it around. That's a cute dog. So we need to get him some St. Louis City SC stuff. Absolutely. I will warn you, Randy. I'll caution you that I would not get some very cute... St. Louis City SC stuff for Darby Shaw because she's going to post it on Instagram and that could be problematic oh, for yeah, you in content. the long run. Yeah, we don't, That's going to be very cute content for her. Don't want to provide content for her. No doubt about that. <laughs> well, you can get it for her. Just don't let her post yeah, it online. Bingo. Coming up, was the Nick Castellanos two-game suspension by MLB too much? We want to hear from you. 65780. Would you have given him a few more games? I think I would have. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It is 9.05. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Character and Smallman, and you can tune in Thursday morning as 101 ESPN broadcasts live for the Cardinals home opener. Cards set to open the season at Bush on Thursday and starting 
at 7 o'clock with us through 6 p.m. with the Fast Lane. We'll be coming to you live the entire day from the Budweiser Beer Garden at Ballpark Village, just steps away from the stadium. So you can stop by, say hi, tune in all day, and we're going to have great guests. I know for our particular show, we're going to talk to Ozzie Smith, mm-hmm. John Mozeliak, Bill DeWitt Jr., the Cardinal Chairman. Somebody else. Greg, oh, Greg Amsinger. Amsinger. Greg Amsinger. It's Thursday, of course. So we're looking forward to it Thursday morning. And we will be at the Budweiser Beer Garden early in the morning so that Michelle can have a cold one. <laughs> so Michelle can have a cold one at yeah. 7 a.m.? Yeah. I think that might even be a little too early for me, Randy. You know how hyped I get about the Cardinal Home Opener. It's a holiday in St. Louis, but... I don't think you want me drinking at 7 a.m. I don't think I'd make it to 10. I'm a lightweight these days. Hey, yesterday, Major League Baseball suspended the Reds outfielder Nick Castellanos for his involvement in the Cards-Reds brawl on Saturday. He got two games. Obviously, Major League Baseball trying to send a message. They wanted deterrence. They don't want brawls. I find brawls to be eminently entertaining, but they felt like when he flexed over Jake Woodford at home plate, that he instigated the brawl, so they said, okay, two games for Nicholas Castellanos. I'm fine with two. I wish he would have gotten, like, five. Why? Because he's on the opposing side of this? Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Um, I understand it's a pandemic still, and I understand Major League Baseball is trying to send a message here, but I think you have to look at intent when levying a punishment like this. And like I said yesterday, I don't think his intent was to incite a brawl between these two teams. I think he took one in the ribs. It was a bang-bang play. He was in the heat of the moment. He reacted. The brawl happened. Clearly, he didn't want any of it. In the wake of all of this, in his post games, he diffused the situation. He was nothing but respectful about Adam Wainwright and, of course, Yadier Molina. And I thought two games was a little severe because he got ejected and he got fined. If you want to give him a fine, fine. But fine, fine. See what I did there? (laughs) But I thought to give him two games was Major League Baseball doing a little too much. I would think that they would rather fall on the side of doing too much in terms of trying to deter other players. And even though it was an emotional response, their expectation is that players are going to keep, they they want players to keep their emotions under control. They don't want situations like Roger Clemens throwing a bat back at Mike Piazza. They, They want their players to avoid those sort of conflicts at all costs. And if another player says, well, Castellanos got fined two or suspended two games for that, I'm not going to do it. That's what Major League Baseball wants. Well, that's ridiculous, in my opinion, because Major League Baseball was the main benefactor from this incident. Major League Baseball has people who are not baseball fans watching this video and talking about this and and having opinions about it. It's on every sports talk show in America. Everyone wants to talk about this. And what is baseball constantly trying to combat? Boredom. People getting bored with the stagnation of their product. And so when players are playing with joy, whether it be a bat flip or passion, whether it be flexing over some one and a and it wasn't even a brawl it was like a lot of guys yelling at each other and posturing i think baseball would be pumped that something like this happened and well of course you don't want anyone to get into a fight and yes we're in a pandemic and you don't want to at least from major league baseball standpoint encourage guys getting that close and all of that i would think a fine would be sufficient enough to deter people but i think major league baseball should embrace some of this passion that they're seeing out of their players i believe that that is absolutely correct but that's just not the way they roll. 
baseball could have solved the fight problem many, many, many years ago. Mike Shannon always espoused the idea of, hey, if a hitter wants to go to the mound, let him go to the mound, and it's mano a mano, and the third man in, kind of like in hockey, is the one that gets tossed and suspended. But if a baseball pitcher and and hitter want to fight on the mound or just in front of the mound, great. But baseball never did that. They never allowed fighting like hockey has. And that's where they run into a problem. Yes, baseball should embrace conflict like that. It does build an audience. But that's just not what they do or, unfortunately, who they are. Which is a shame. It's a a real shame. Because let me just throw this in there. Have you ever seen a good movie that didn't have conflict conflict where everybody was kumbaya? We need villains in baseball. And I love that if you're in Cincinnati, you're viewing Yadier Molina as not only the villain in this situation, but the biggest villain in baseball. They hate Yadier Molina in Cincinnati. And this incident only enhances that if you're sitting in a Cincinnati Reds fan shoes right now. In St. Louis, we're talking about Nick Castellanos. Objective observers are picking sides, too. It's it's fun. And I know that they don't want anyone to get hurt or get COVID. I understand all of that stuff. But I think a fine would have also done the job here. A couple of texts, this one from the 314. But they did nothing to players who cheated for an entire season? Come on, Randy. Well, the problem was that this is actually collectively bargained. If you incite a brawl, that is part of what Rob Manfred is allowed to do. But for cheating in the way that the Astros did, it's not something that was in the collective bargaining agreement. And the only way they could avoid or the only way they, they feel like they could get the, the information they needed was to give the players immunity. And that's how they got the information on Beltron and Cora and uh, Jeff Luno and A.J. Hinch. Totally. But I also think to the texter's point that it still is so hypocritical to have baseball talk about integrity of the game and this is the way that the game should be played and you have an entire group of people that took the integrity of the game and threw it in a trash can and then banged on it and they have zero consequences coming their way. I believe that if Rob Manfred could have suspended those Astros players, he would have, but he couldn't. Yeah, but it's it's still then hard to take Major League Baseball seriously if they're if they're not going to punish those guys and then they want to talk about the integrity of the game and other aspects. And I understand the the conundrum that he's in, but from an from an observer standpoint, he has to understand then that okay, I don't want to hear anything about integrity of the game from from this point on. If you're not going to suspend them, fine. I understand the the pickle that you're in, but then I don't want to hear anything else about integrity of the game. Fair. A couple of other quick ones from the 314, and this is a good thought. I think the suspension is more about COVID and less about the brawl. Dude slid home, was safe, and he showed emotion. Baseball needs emotion. If you, uh, let's see. So essentially that's it, yeah. Yeah, I I get that. Absolutely. But they also were all tested prior to the game. They're also standing right next to each other on the bases. They're also in a collective dugout with one another. Mm Mm-hmm. They're, they're there. They're on the field well, together. And, and it's right. And I don't know if Castellanos has been vaccinated. I know 80, at least 85% of the Cardinals have. And if they haven't and they get it, that, that's their issue. So I, I do th- think that there might be something there in regards to COVID. And finally, 
I thought two games was fine. My best friend is a Reds fan, and it blows my mind how he and other Reds fans believe Castellanos did nothing wrong, and they actually think it was Yachty's fault. Yachty was 15 feet away when the play happened. He was reacting to what had happened, Yachty. He was coming in to defend his teammate. But I will say, I did see a lot of things going around on social media yesterday. It was a still photo of Yachty grabbing the back of Castellanos' neck, essentially Mm -hmm. in in the heat of the moment, all of that. And And I get the point. People were saying, how is Castellanos going to get a suspension? And Yachty's not. But I guess... If you're Rob Manfred, if you're Major League Baseball, you're looking at the genesis of this. What do we think started this? And Yachty was just reacting. And if you're Rob Manfred of Major League Baseball, you're afraid of Yachty. Yeah, I don't want to suspend Yachty if I'm Rob Manfred. No way. Imagine what Yachty would post on Instagram about Rob Manfred. He He doesn't want that smoke. No way. Absolutely not. That is today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got some NFL news and notes for you with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Even though it's April, there are news and notes from the National Football League. Yesterday, the New York Football Jets traded Sam Darnold to Carolina for a sixth-round pick and a second-rounder and fourth-rounder next year. So it's a sixth-rounder this year and second and fourth-rounders next year. So Sam Darnold, who was the number three overall pick in the draft, Michelle, just three years ago, gets traded for a two, a four, and a six. I was surprised to see this news, not because I didn't think the Jets were shopping Sam Darnold because we had heard the rumors for months now that that was happening, but that it was the Carolina Panthers that were going to secure him. I think it's a great move for them because they get a quarterback that might not be broken. That might actually be a pretty good quarterback that was in a bad position and you get additional draft capital. But I would think that the Panthers initially, what I thought was that they would wait and see what would fall to them in the draft from a quarterback perspective. But maybe they were thinking if... Trevor Lawrence is off the board. We don't like any of these other quarterbacks that we think we're capable of getting more than potentially a Sam Darnold. A couple of points here about Darnold. Number one, look what happened to Ryan Tannehill once he got away from Adam Gase. That's a great point. And the other thing is, once Le'Veon Bell was gone, and he was bad for the Jets, can you name, because I can't, a Jets skill position player from last year? I mean, they had Robbie Anderson one time. He was gone after last year. I I don't know that they had any worthy skill position players, running backs, tight ends, receivers, certainly nobody that you'd want in a fantasy football league, nobody that you'd want to play on a Sunday. Sam Darnold had nothing to work with. Yeah, it sounded like he was surrounded by, by a lot of talent. Absolutely. And that's why I'm surprised that the Jets would want to give up on him so early. I know that it's a new regime, and they, of course, want to bring in their guy air quotes and put their stamp on things and maybe they do think Sam Darnold is still seeing ghosts maybe they do Mm -hmm. think he's not going to be the guy but based on what we know about his situation and how bad of a situation he was in and the fact that he's still such a young quarterback that was so highly touted coming out of college I think it's great for Carolina to roll the dice on him and because the Panthers have Teddy Bridgewater they have the opportunity if he is indeed broken to fix him and maybe 
exercise some of those ghosts before he gets on the field with them. Another lawsuit has been filed against Deshaun Watson, bringing the total to 22. He's prolific. Uh, the most recent alleges that Watson assaulted a licensed uh, esthetician. 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 Thanks, Michelle. What, Randy? You're not getting a lot of facials or microderms no. or hydrofacials? No. And I would massages. never want touch people touching my feet. Like, I would never want a what? pedicure. No, no You've pedicures. You've never gotten a pedicure? No chance. We're adding no. that to the, the wheel, the oh. punishment wheel. Okay. And it's not going to be a punishment. It's going to be a gift. Pedicures are one of the best things that you can possibly get. Not and by the way, I have noticed, Randy, when I go to the nail salon, a lot of dudes going in nail salons now, really? which I really appreciate. It's it's about time that the dudes out there start taking care of their, their paws and their feet. Yeah, and just treat your esthetician. Aesthetician. 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 Uh, better than Deshaun allegedly did. That's right. Lawsuit alleges that Watson told the therapist that she had to sign a non-disclosure agreement, like we all do, before he would pay her for the massage. Yeah, because that's not a big red flag, that she has to sign an NDA before yeah. completing a, a routine massage. On an, And by the way, what? Okay, let me let me be very careful about how I phrase this here. This is this is clearly a pattern for him mm-hmm. that he is finding these women, these massage therapists on Instagram and in some cases I read Snapchat and he's seeking them out and this is a pattern of alleged behavior that's happening. But think about how many more women may be out there. If 22 women have taken the steps to come forward and take legal action against him, that's not the total number. And then 18 more have come out to defend him. Yes, but how many massages on the side is Deshaun Watson getting? That's crazy. This is, you know, I, I'm not trying to diagnose this behavior, but clearly this is something, if you're a professional athlete and you have access to medical care mm-hmm. and to treatment that you don't need to seek out. So why are you seeking these women out all the time? This is something that he's doing regularly. Right. And the women's attorney, Tony Busby, has scheduled a news conference for today in which he says he will address important and significant developments in the case. I did not get a chance to see Jeopardy, but Aaron Rodgers still sees his future as the Packers with a, as a beautiful mystery. He said he would like to be considered full-time as we a have, replacement. You yeah. want to hear him say it? Yeah, let's hear it. Well, look, I mean, I, I, I'm not insulated completely from all those conversations. I think part of Part of it is you have to have some understanding of what's going on out there. You know, I think that we're exactly where we were uh, last year when I made comments after the draft and, and throughout the season. You know, I, I don't feel like any of that's changed. Uh, even my comments directly after the last game, there was some, and we talked about it on this show. Yeah. Uh, some, you know, some people who thought, you know, who made assumptions uh, based on what I said. Um, nothing's really changed. You know, my, my, my future... Uh, is is really a lot of it's out of my control. Uh, um, you know that's why I mentioned you know using words like uh, phrase like beautiful mystery like because it is uh, it is quite uh, uncertain uh, which direction things are going to go. Um, all I can do is play my best, and I feel like last year I did do that. It sounds very zen to say that so much of his future is out of his control. It's a beautiful mystery. But then he adds on the end, he tacks on the end there, all I can do is play my best, which I think I did last season. So while he is saying a lot of this is out of his control, he's also acknowledging that the controllable factors that he has, he not only met but exceeded and that the ball is in the Packers court. 
And the Jeopardy thing, maybe he's just using it as leverage, but he said if shaving was a prereq to get the full-time gig at Jeopardy, no problem with that at all. I would love to be the host of Jeopardy, yes. And when he hosted yesterday, the defending champion came back and his final Jeopardy answer was, who wanted to kick that field goal? (laughs) I know. (laughs) And Rogers handled it very well. He did. He did. Uh, We actually have that sound coming up later for you. But um, this thing with Aaron Rodgers is so fascinating because I always think, as I tell you all the time, about the ego of the professional athlete. It's Mm -hmm. a very interesting thing to me. And someone like Aaron Rodgers is hyper competitive. He's hyper, hyper competitive. So you know that he wants to go out there and try and win another Super Bowl. That's something that he probably thinks about all the time. But does that competitive nature bleed over into this new job to where he's thinking, all right, if you guys aren't going to surround me with the talent I want, you want to draft another quarterback, you're not going to give me what I want. Fine. I'll walk away and have this very coveted job as the host of Jeopardy and then see how you guys are without me. I wonder if that's something that is ever in the back of his mind. Sure. Yeah. Uh, hey, Barry Sanders left and he hadn't won a Super Bowl, right? He had done Calvin every, Johnson. He, right. So, Which was for a different reason, obviously. But. but is there anything left for Aaron Rodgers to do? MVP, Super Bowl champion, regarded as the best quarterback in the game for a time, could arguably be regarded as that right now. Hey, there have been a select few that have decided to leave coming off of a season like he had, but they have done it. And I also think it's interesting that for the first time really that I can remember, he's talking a lot about his future outside of football. He's been in a series of high profile relationship interviewed about them. And he's, while he's revealed some stuff, he's a fairly private person uh, compared to the, the people that he's dating. You would think that we would see more of them, but now that he's engaged, he's made comments about his future and how he's excited to be a husband and one day a father. He's talking about doing this thing with Jeopardy and how he would love to assume that role moving forward. And it just seems like he's I don't want to say at peace because I that's not what I'm I'm getting at because I think he still is a hyper competitive guy. But it seems like on the personal side of things, he is getting a little bit more settled. Sure and that maybe that window of of I want to do this every day and I want to go out there and sacrifice my body and pour everything I have into this from an NFL standpoint, maybe that window is shrinking. And if you get the opportunity to just read Jeopardy questions, why not? Seems like a pretty good gig. By the way, one quick note here, and this just happened during this segment. We said that the Panthers have Teddy Bridgewater to be a placeholder for Sam Darnold. But Ian Rappaport of NFL Network reporting that the Panthers, while open to keeping Bridgewater, have given him the opportunity to seek a trade elsewhere, to talk to other teams about getting him out of Carolina to another team. So there you have it. Those are NFL news and notes. Poor Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, he can't find a spot, can he? He, he thinks he's in a good spot. Then it's, nope, not this one. Yep. Then he moves to Carolina. Oh, this is going to be my job. No, it's not. They <laughs> never love you as much as you think they do. No, that's right. <laughs> Coming up next on 101 ESPN, you're killing me, Smalls. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by BMW of West St. Louis, where you'll find incredible value on the ultimate driving machine. 
from down in Miami, Amato sends us a Twitter picture that he's listening to Carriker and Smallman on the app. So driving around uh, Miami, just listening to us. Sounds like the exact thing you'd want to listen to in Miami. Amato, thank you very much. We appreciate you listening. If you're listening from outside of the St. Louis metro area, just send us a text, 65780. Tell us where you're listening from. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. I always think it's so cool when we hear from people throughout the country that are listening to us. Yeah, it's fun. A lot of St. Louis sports fans. That's right. And we are here to provide information. And we are here to provide you with this. You're killing me, Smalls. One of my favorite storylines throughout baseball this season, Randy, is going to be the the Astros' delayed shame tour. And I am pleased to know that fans have not forgotten. Just like an elephant, they, baseball fans never forget. Even though last year it would have been bad because it was right in the wake of the Astros' cheating scandal, I almost think that fans, because they were essentially locked up for a year, that their anger about the Astros just built and built and built. And now that they're finally allowed back in baseball stadiums and they're finally getting their chance to boo them, they're going all out. And I love that other teams are getting in on this, too. So the A's actually played Carrie Underwood's classic jam before he cheats, before they introduced the (laughs) Astros starting lineup a few days ago. The A's also played Ace of Bases, The Sign, then again the next game while introducing the Astros lineup. And I love this out of Anaheim. Angels fans getting in on this. They threw an inflatable trash can on the field and a recycling bin on the field, just really letting the Astros know how they felt. I'm proud of baseball fans and their creativity and this needs to happen all season long and it's going to happen all season long and like i mentioned uh, a couple maybe it was last week when we spoke about this with dan we know how the astros in the immediacy of it how they responded they doubled down they Mm -hmm. were defiant they were dismissive they were disrespectful to baseball fans in my opinion and i know that one of them is going to pop off and say something like you can't take our championship away or we don't care what fans say about us. Something that's just going to continue to throw gas on the fire. I would guess also after the Anaheim incident that Amazon will have a run on inflatable trash cans. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I would imagine that security teams throughout Major League Baseball are going to just let baseball fans bring those. Oh, through. Sure, they're no going to say, what is this? An inflatable trash can? You go right ahead. You go right ahead. <laughs> you have fun at the game today. But Dusty Baker actually talked about this. He was asked about the hostility that the Astros are receiving from fans to begin the season. He says, you can tell the amount of hostility and the amount of hatred in the stands. I think that sometimes we need to look at ourselves before you spew hate on somebody else. It's a sad situation for America. To me, when you hear things, I mean, what are the kids supposed to think in the stands? And some of them are kids that are following their parents. It's sad to me. People make mistakes. We paid for ours, and I wish they'd leave it alone. I don't think you've paid for yours. How, yeah, how have you paid for this? The players were not suspended. You never had to feel the wrath of the fans. You got a truncated season afterwards where you didn't have to answer questions about this or feel the wrath from anyone for a long time. Dusty Baker in particular should not have to pay for this because he was not mm-hmm. involved in this. So I understand why he wishes they would leave it alone. But sorry, Dusty, buckle up because this is going to happen all season long. Real sport. Not, I'm not going to say real sports fans. Intense sports fans make an emotional investment in sports that is at times as as heavily grounded as their relationships with their family. People, yes. Sports fans care more about sports than anything. Yeah, you and definitely it, care about your baseball team more than like your third cousin. No. For it, sure. Right, exactly. And that's not something <laughs> that people do or should let go of. You don't just say, and I understand baseball players, are. it's easy for them to just put it in the past. Not the Dodgers, I don't think. But if I felt like the Astros had 
had an effect on my team's ability to win, you darn right I'd be ticked off and hating them. Also, with all due respect to Dusty Baker, who we like, miss me with that, what are the kids supposed to think in the stands? What are the kids supposed to think about your cheating team? Right. What kind of message are you sending to the kids to say, don't boo us, don't spew hatred, we cheated, but you should leave us alone? No, the kids need to know that if they cheat to win, that it's going to come back to them, that you always have to reap what you sow, and there are consequences when you break the rules. And oh, by the way, when you do break the rules, and cheat and then you get found out apologize yeah apologize yeah, i'm sorry yeah what are the kids supposed to think what are the ki- they're following their parents that's right their parents are in fact trying to set an example you know what son or daughter when you cheat expect to have inflatable trash cans thrown at you bingo this is what's going to happen yep. Th- that's life buckle up <laughs> deal with it you're killing me, Smalls. Okay, <laughs> okay, Randy. Uh, another fun story. You mentioned this a little bit at the beginning of the show, but Paul Pierce was in a bit of hot water. Um, he had a great time over the weekend. Mm-hmm. He was doing um, an Instagram Live, seemingly by accident, from L.A. when he was uh, relaxed, having a good time. What seemed to be a private poker party with some young ladies that were there just dancing, Randy, showcasing oh. their skills. and um, Skills with the C. C. Absolutely. He was looking into the camera, talking to uh, a woman named Monica, saying, Monica, where are you at? If you're in L.A., come on over. We would love to have you at the party, Monica. And about 300 or so people were watching on this Instagram Live before it went down. And naturally, even if it's only a couple hundred people, that's going to get out. Mm -hmm. And Paul Pierce, who we know works for ESPN, he works on uh, their NBA properties, which is owned by Disney, didn't think that that was a great look for them. And they have parted ways with Paul Pierce. Well, he made some pretty outrageous basketball predictions, too. I always thought it was a negative when an NBA analyst knew less about what was going on in the league than I did. And so I don't think that that, from a content perspective, is a bad fire. And as you mentioned, because initially I was thinking, okay, big deal. It's a couple hundred people, like you said. And he's just having fun. He's just having a good time. He's having a party. But then when you throw in the Disney part of it, yeah, you can't really expect to be employed by Disney when you're having that sort of a party. And it is Instagram Live. And now also not a great look when you're in a pandemic, maskless at, at this gathering. Yeah. You know, I, I'm just saying I, from a business perspective from Disney, it's a lot of things that you could pile up together that say not a great look. And by the way, he'll be fine. He laughed about it when oh, uh, he tweeted, Randy. He said, big things coming soon. Stay tuned. Make sure you smile. Hashtag truth shall set you free. And then it's a couple second video of him laughing. And then it says hashtag smile. There you go. Hashtag smile. He's fine, and ESPN will be fine, too. Yes, they will. You're killing me, Smalls. All right, Randy, we talked a little bit last segment about Aaron Rodgers, how he is the celebrity guest host on Jeopardy, and it ended in a great way. Aaron Rodgers did a great job. During Final Jeopardy, Scott Schufelt, who was the two-day champion, he didn't have a correct answer, so he used that time to ask an important question that a lot of football fans want the answer to. Scott, did you come up with the correct response? Who wanted to kick that field goal? <laughs> that is a great question. Should be should be, should be correct, but uh, unfortunately for this uh, this game today, that's incorrect, and you're going to lose zero. 
obviously in reference to the Packers-Buccaneers NFC Championship game in which Green Bay went for the field goal. They were trailing by eight points in the fourth quarter. They never got the ball back. (laughs) That's fantastic. I love the contestant, and I loved Aaron's response. Uh, Scott, thank you. You are a hero. We appreciate you using your time to ask the question that a lot of people wanted the answer to. And Aaron Rodgers, what a pro. What a pro as the host, because Quick. that that curveball could have thrown him for a mm-hmm. loop, but I thought he played it off very well. And he'll be back at it today, right? Yes. Two-week run for I, him? I believe so. Good. We got one more? One more. You're killing me, Smalls. North Carolina, Randy Roy Williams has announced uh, last week that he was retiring, and they have promoted their longtime assistant, Hubert Davis, to replace Roy Williams. He's going to be the Tar Heels' new head basketball coach. It was announced yesterday. He was an assistant under Williams for the past nine seasons, and he was basically the favorite to land the job as soon as it opens, and he becomes the first black head coach in UNC men's basketball history. Good for him, former ESPN guy. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, with the success of Juwan Hopkins, Howard of Michigan. You get Mike Woodson, the former Indiana player, taking over the Indiana job. Hubert Davis, the former North Carolina player, taking over their job. I, I guess because of the success of Juwan Howard at Michigan, there's a little bit more copycatting going on now. I'll be interested to see how many of these work. And by the way, he has earned the job. He should get the job, but I'll be interested to see if it works. Absolutely. Good for him, though. Thank you, Michelle. You got it. Coming up next, Michelle did not win the one-on-one NCAA tournament bracket that we had. So she's got to pick out a punishment. She doesn't really get to pick it, though. It's coming your way when she finds out what it is on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. All right, we asked if you're listening on the app to uh, text in 65780 where you're listening from if you're outside the metro area. I was listening this morning on the app. Were you? Yeah. Thank you. But you were in the metro area. Yeah. Uh, From the 408 San Ramon, California. From the Mm. 512 Austin, Texas. From the 636 uh, Fort Collins, Colorado. From the 314, beautiful Edwardsville, Illinois, which I believe is still in the metro area. Yes. Uh, From the 636, listening in Dallas, Texas. in uh, from the 931, oh, that's just its full panic mode for the blues. Uh, here's one from the 618, A618 number, listening from Los Angeles, F. Cronky. Love that. Uh, from the uh, 314, listening in Denver every day since I moved here six years ago. So thank you very much, Denver. Uh, the villages in Florida checking in from the, uh, hmm. the 281. Uh, part-time in the villages in Florida and STL. Uh, also, out in uh, Sullivan, Missouri, we've got Orange County, California, every day from 5 a.m. to 8 uh, a.m. Uh, California time. Listening from Evansville, Indiana, Orlando, Florida. So, yeah, we do appreciate you listening from wherever you're listening from. There's so many coming in. ATL, Wisconsin, Chicago, Los Angeles, a lot of F. Cronkies rolling in. Mm. Like them all. Those are our people. What do you, what you, do you think, be- Danny Mac? I think it's great. You know, one time, Ricky Horton, on a day game, this was two years ago, I think, two years ago, uh, he said, I don't know if you guys remember this. I remember. And he said, hey, you know, we were talking about how big Cardinal Nation is. Like, there's fans everywhere. We yeah. get 
And we will get on Twitter or I'll get an email and, and somebody's like, hey, I'm up in wherever you're at at 3 a.m. checking you out, you know. And so we just decided one day we said, and Ricky did it, and it was smart. He said, hey, wherever you may be watching us, let us know where you're you're watching. Just tweet Dan or tweet Ricky or whatever. And it was something like 15 or 20 countries amazing. were represented at that time. So, so cool. I think we got every state was represented by a Cardinal fan watching that day in a day game. And and this is a day game. You know, most people are at work. It was pre-pandemic. And then it was something like 15 or 20 uh, countries around the world. It was really cool. I enjoy that. It, and you don't realize how many people are listening and watching because they're all watching. So be careful about what you say. Also, it's probably a good thing that you don't realize how many people are listening or watching because it's better to just think it's you and the people in the room. I don't, I don't know about you guys, but in pre-pandemic, a lot of speaking engagements, a lot of emceeing things. And I find, first of all, doing a game in which there might be millions of people watching. You don't know. I mean, I don't know. There's hundreds of thousands. I know that. That doesn't make me nervous. I don't worry about that. But you tell me to go speak in front of 50 people and I'll <laughs> clam up. Because you see them looking yep. back at you. They're right in front of you. So you get instantaneous reaction on their body language. And people don't realize that, that we sit in this studio and there's four of us. So it just feels like yep, it does. four of us having a conversation. And yeah. you really can't process how many people are actually listening. And it's a good thing I don't, because I would get very nervous every day. Now, you have to be careful. My buddy Chip Carey yesterday said, be careful during the break. And I said, really? I go, did I say something wrong? And I really do try to be very careful. Mm -hmm. He said, but I'm watching on MLB.TV, and they're not pulling down your microphones quickly enough off the air. So you can get caught on that stuff, too, in between breaks. So be careful, guys. know it. And anyway, coming up at uh, <laughs> next hour, we're going to visit with Dave Schoenfield of ESPN. I like that. that sounds yeah. great. Here's the thing. One. Danny, uh, Michelle and I both felt, and by the way, thank you for listening from Chicago for the last 15 years. And even when he lived overseas for five years, uh, truck driver listened from all over the country. So we've got Washington, D.C., we've got Kansas City, we've got Raleigh, North Carolina, we've got Columbia Mo, we've got Mississippi. So thank you very much. Dan, I won the oh, NCAA pool against Michelle. I, uh, I finished better than she did. Well, everybody finished better than Michelle. That's yeah. correct. I'm sorry, you Michelle. Know, I knew that a program that had never won a men's basketball championship before was going to win. It just was Baylor instead of Illinois. Yeah. I... Had Baylor winning it all. I've been steadfast in that, so that helped Congratulations, me. Congratulations, Dan. Thank you. I know it's painful for you to say. It is. I had them jumping up. I think I finished in the top four or five of our competition. But I had Baylor really? winning. Yeah. So I was uh, I, I was battling with BT last night. He beat me. But I still won against Michelle. And so Michelle has to suffer a punishment. And so we have the Wheel what of Punishment available. Oh, it's just the Wheel of Punishment. Yeah, okay. So she will have to... Uh, Spin the wheel here, and she can determine exactly what. What are some of the options here that you have, okay, Michelle? Okay, so you will have to make your profile photo on social media, Stan Kroenke's face. Ooh, that would be a tough one. <laughs> I don't know if I could do that one. I know. I'd I pay think that it's, thing off. I think I'd it's do for a else. week, right, Randy? We, we yeah. determined that oh, would be a week. That would yeah. be rough. Um, I hate hard-boiled eggs. I've never Love eaten them. one, refused to. So one of the things on here is for me to eat a deviled egg, which I hope doesn't happen. Um, <laughs> one of them is that you have to do the whole show with your thumbs taped down. I remember that no one. No thumbs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them is that you have to sing 80s karaoke on the air, Okay. which for our listeners' sake, I hope I don't land on. 
Let's see. Randy has to run a half marathon. He's one of them on here. Yeah, that one won't, won't, won't play. No. Oh, I love this one. You have to say I love you to every interviewer or every and guest that we have during the day. Without them knowing. Without what, them knowing. Okay. So as today, we would have to say I love you to David Perron when we got off the phone with him. <laughs> so uh, we would do it for Thursday. I wonder what would be more uncomfortable, me saying I love you to him or you saying I love you well, to Randy him. Well, Randy asked about guys in uh, oh, yeah, you know, who's got the best bodies. Yeah, that's, that's fine that, if that's your thing, Randy, but I, I felt that was a little uncomfortable. I would just love to see the reaction of the guests that we have. I was uncomfortable with that too, Dan. Okay, when we were getting you. off the phone, if we said to David Perron, go get him tomorrow night, love you, what's he going to say at the end? <laughs> what's just, his wife going to say? That's right. What, yeah. But what does he say? Thanks? Yeah. All right, let's spin it. Let's see what you got. I love catch, it. Catch you later. Okay, so one other one is uh, we would have to stand outside on Olive Boulevard with a sign that says, I lost to or Randy. I'm a loser. Or, or I'm a loser. Okay. These uh, are some really good ones. Another one is that we would have to wear a Rams and or Red Wings jersey throughout mm, the show. Red Wings is, jerseys are the worst. Yeah, that's bad. I'm glad I won. All right. So I'm going to give this bad boy a spin. Oh, that was a, hold on. Oh, you are giving it a big time spin. Big time spin. <laughs> and it looks like the worst possible thing has happened. I'm going to have to eat a deviled egg. <laughs> I'd like to have a respin on that. Don't give me that look. Did you fix it like that? I mean, no. it did spin, and you kind of moved it a couple of notches. Well, would you rather me do it again? She would never pick Dan. She would never pick the deviled eggs. Okay, it's gonna, it's the worst possible thing for me. Tomorrow, to land when you come is it a in, deviled egg or a hard boiled egg? Either or is one there will be torture for me. Okay. Joan said she would make deviled eggs. She did. That was very generous of her. I've never yeah. eaten a deviled egg. So that's well, if you like hard boiled eggs. Yeah, tomorrow during this very oh. segment, uh, Michelle's going to eat one. She wants awesome. to do it at the end because she might throw up. <laughs> oh, it's, they're great. Get no, some salt. Dan, in fact, they're not. Put great. a little salt on it. It's beautiful. Have you ever smelled it? Yeah, it's great. It Love it. It smells like death. Oh, no. For lack of a better term. You'll be great. I think be you'll terrific. be fine. Mm. We'll so, get you a uh, throw up bucket. <laughs> so ESPN's David Schoenfield talking some uh, some ball here coming up. Yeah, huh? that's coming up. Cardinals, nice win last night. Uh, that was good. Blues, not so good. Baylor wins a national championship. You know, BK's got his hot takes ready to roll, so we'll be ready to go. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Okay, thanks. A great job by our producer engineer, Emily Butcher. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Michelle, this was fun. It was. I'll see you tomorrow. Are you really looking forward oh, to tomorrow? Yes. Dreading it. Absolutely dreading I it. I bet you like it. It's not that bad. I'm telling you. I can't, there's there's really only three things on earth that I can't eat. Mushrooms, which I've really tried to like, I just can't. And then the two things that gross me out more than anything out there is cottage cheese. Disgusting. Oh, that's really good. Curdled milk and a hard-boiled egg. Great. I've never had a tomato. What? Really? Come on. No, never had a tomato. Have you ever had a pizza? Yeah. Well, then pizza, you've had tomato ketchup. sauce. Yeah, yeah. I like that. It's I just not... like somebody cutting me a slice of tomato. Never had it. No, well, you never had a BLT? You never no. even tried it? No. Do you have any? Would Would you try it? Like, yeah, is no. there a re- Oh, so you, you don't want to try I it? I don't want to okay. try it. Is there a reason why? No. Just don't have an inkling for it. I'm telling you. Wow. Yeah. One of the greatest things in life. Is a BLT from the Crown Candy Kitchen. And you put it on your Instagram. I, I did. saw it. At RJ Looked Character. Pretty good. Great pretty content. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I didn't I didn't insta my chocolate shake, but it was delicious as well. I bet. Mandy Candy does a great job there. Yeah. That, that whole staff, it's awesome. All right. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in, texting, and being a part of the show. For all of us, until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. 
Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The College Football Playoff Committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the College Football Playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the College Football Playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast1 to learn more and start your free trial.